you find yourself with the same incurable curiosity as us, this is a place for you. This is Spiritual Smorgasbord with Cheyenne and Desiree. So on this episode, you are going to get so many short stories from our friend Nick that, you know, the trials and tribulations alone should just inspire you. He's always inspired me since I've known him, but being able to like actually sit down and piece together these parts of his evolution were probably my favorite. Um, what, like, what was your favorite part? Like when he died, was that kind of like, what? She's like, I don't, I don't know. It kind of all unprepared. Yeah. (laughs) Totally kind of blew my mind. Um, I've heard these stories like before, like in our friendship and, you know, we've kind of talked about our older selves, but to be so vulnerable and come in here and be like, Hey, I'm going to tell you about a person that I'm not anymore. Right. And one day I chose to be a different person and I'm still not 100% sure how I got through all of these moments, but I'm going to piece it together together the best that I can. Um, We weren't really able to do like a linear timeline, which is what I know we usually do. But Nick had so many inspiring things to say that if even if you like zoned out for a minute and came back to it in the middle of the conversation, you're like, what did I miss? I know that was important. Um, One of my favorite things that he actually said at the end of the episode was I had love for everyone but myself. Mm. Amen, dude. Amen. So Nick's going to teach us all how to break some cycles just through letting us get into his experiences firsthand with him. So listen up and uh, grab some Kleenexes. We learned some real, real heavy lessons in this one. Enjoy. Hi, Desiree. What's up, man? What you doing? What you been up to? Um, just, you know, doing my usual projects. I, I get pulled into random volunteer projects that pop up. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, um, I'm still randomly editing the poetry book whenever I'm called to do it. I yeah. never want to force it. And then I made a, about five new shy dies this week that I really hope that I could finish up and release. That is exciting. Now, are those available on Etsy or anywhere? Or is it, you just have to come to a so show. I built a website and then I just did not open it. I don't oh. know if it's because I didn't feel like shipping stuff out. Yeah. Um, usually when you do an LLC in your state and then you ship it to a different state, you have to pay taxes on the state that you send it to mm. and not what your local is. So it honestly like made my QuickBooks a little... It feels complicated. Not fun. Yeah. yeah. So I honestly just really like um, doing shows and I pick and choose the shows um, that I do. And I think it's just cause COVID made sure everybody's booth rents went up, rent went up and everything. So as far as like going back on the road and doing festivals, I'm probably like two years away from doing like a whole summer set, but yeah. I have a few local shows that I'm going to do. And, um, I just try to keep up with my progress on my Instagram. Yeah. So like, you know, and of course you are usually at the, um, love and light women's retreat 
every year when she has that. So yes, you sell a lot of shirts usually when you I go to do that. that. And I'm actually bringing my friend Kate who like sew- sews band tees on the back of the flannels and stuff that I do. Oh, cool. So we have a cute little joint venture that we're rolling out at the new show this year. So nice. Yeah, I honestly like I do wish that I would have enough courage to open my website up because I worked really hard on it. It is yeah. it has a lot of personal touches to it. We did a whole photo shoot The all the inventory was loaded. All I had to do was like literally hit Hit live publish (laughs) yeah and it would have been there and I ended up um most of the designs on the website ended up giving away to a bunch of friends for just trade (laughs) and I was like I don't feel like well the thing is like if you sell something you have to give the tax money to Kansas right right and I don't really want to do like a quarterly on just like a handful of shirts it's Mm -hmm. honestly a pain in the ass Mm -hmm. but if I make stuff and I'm more about getting the art in the hands of the people versus the money that I know I should probably get off of it and I will eventually Mm Um, but again, tax purpose wise, I like keeping all of my marketing up on my Instagram if I want to put it on TikTok so it is relevant for when I go back out to work. Mm-hmm. You don't see like a, a two year gap where I didn't feel like selling, mm-hmm. but I still like my friends will go out and take creative pictures. I'll meet people that they like the shirt I'm wearing and I'll go give them another one. So I'm not necessarily like doing free business by any means, yeah. but trade accounts are how I survive in a business. That networking and that partnership is honestly how I've been able to keep my company in business through COVID, not traveling, and then just, you know, the local partnerships that I have. So I I wish that I had it more accessible. My hope is by season five, when I get all of the shirts that I'm making for our podcast specifically, I'll be able to have all the pipelines drawn that I need to have drawn. Well, and you might think about Etsy too. That's where I put my my brand on and it makes it real easy with taxes and everything so yeah and I might I don't know I'm so good at like building a whole project up and being like this is my path this is what I'm supposed to do yeah and then like right when I get to it I'm like I'm not as passionate about this as I thought that I was Mm -hmm. wow and I I think that you're supposed to go through that and find that but yeah I know that going to festivals vending and selling is always going to be a part of my life I have to find a way to get back near and around music again right whether I'm on the stage whether I'm carrying the guitar whether I'm helping do whatever it's always been a goal of mine to be healthy enough to go back home right and music is my home yeah And I'm finally healthy enough to like go back there and understand why I'm supposed to be there. And the fact that I was able to like build my own business and then be able to take it home too. Mm -hmm. It's something that I'm, I'm very proud of and I'm very humbled by it too. Yeah. So. Well, and I love your shirts. I buy them all the time. I I appreciate you buying them for me. And I need more, by the way. So I, I feel behind (laughs) all the time. That's how I feel. If I'm not editing the podcast or doing whatever we can here, I'm like, okay, well I need to create something today. Yeah. Cause are we going to bleach more shirts? And it doesn't bug me at all because I love your clothing line as well. So it's nice that we just get to share a lot of creative things, but hopefully in the future I'll be able to, um, really get everything out there. I have, I'm on a waiting list in Wichita for a couple places to put, um, just like retail racks in oh, a couple nice. stores. So people could go somewhere. Um, yeah. So I think I'm going to start managing it that way. I'm going to get it in a couple stores. I'll do some low key, you know, two table, two clothing rack things. Really. Um, it's weird to have someone create that really hates the money side of it. 
Like right. I would love to have a business <laughs> manager, honestly, that would come in and take care of all of that for me. Yeah. Cause I really do just want to create and I want to make sure that the creation gets in the person's hand that I it's supposed that. to. Yeah. So yeah, I guess that's why it's tough for me is I really do want to be like all businessy and QuickBooksy, <laughs> but that honestly is one of the things that prevents me from growing the way that I want to go. Yeah. So I think I'm like building my team up in the background right now. Yeah. I get that. You know? Yeah. So Yeah. We could talk all day about all my wonderful craft projects, <laughs> but instead, um, I kind of want to talk to my friend, Nick Dysars. Nailed it. I nailed it. <laughs> I nailed it. Um, so before I let Nick take over on this just wonderful adventure we're about to hear, um, I just wanted everybody to know that Nick and I actually used to work together. And when we worked together, it was in a very corporate setting. And um, I wanted to be as like, I don't want to say that I'm enlightened, but as enlightened as I feel like I am now, like more knowledgeable. And he actually came to work one day and gave me a book called Cosmic Energy. I remember you talking about this on the teaser and I was really curious about this book. Yeah. So... I can't um, believe you still have it. I still have it. I still have He's to like, finish it. I can't it, believe you haven't given it back well, no. to give it back it's to like you. <laughs> when you give people a book, it's like, hey, I'm... I don't know. When I usually when I get people a book to buy, it's like I know I'm not getting this I'm book not back. Right. Yeah. Like no, here's I a book to add to your library collection. I've got so many books of other people's. It's and like got when mine you loan too. someone money yeah. and you're like, you just need to plan on not getting that money yeah, back. Yeah, just take me out yeah. next time, I guess. <laughs> so I knew that he loaned books out that way, but I also have a collection that I've loaned out to people, yeah. and of course, like the ones that I want back don't come back, and the ones that do, you're obviously appreciative. Yeah. But I remember just being like, oh my god, I can't believe Nick gave me a book. Like I will do everything in my power to return this to him. Yeah. And I think that's been like four or five years ago now <laughs> but you're in front of me the book's in my yep. hand yeah but, uh, it's since here. It's, but since it's not mine I always felt like a really great responsibility to guard it and take care of it whether it sat on my bookshelf for a couple years <laughs> well, I think I and gave I it mean, to you damaged anyways you did but I didn't want to damage it anymore so like technically I say I'm on the luck experiment but I at the time I would just be like oh this page looks and yeah finding the negative team member finding the Judas, the abundance funnel. Like I would just flip through it like kind of like a magazine. So then I was like, Nick's coming on the show. I really want to incorporate all of this into my life. Um, but I was reading it from the perspective of like the old Cheyenne, like corporate Cheyenne. And then like now. So how many years ago do you think it is that you got this book? I think it was like five. <clears throat> Let's do some math real quick. Like four or five. So my son is going to be four years old. And it was before, In well, June, and it was before my wife was pregnant. So this is probably five and a half, almost six years ago. Okay, right? so we'll go five and a half, six years ago. Oh, okay, yeah. this is a weird way to do it. So when we moved back to um, Kansas from the UK, Trump was going into office. <laughs> that's that's really how I based my whole entire life. Oh, like, no, I get I know it. I moved into- Mine's I know on I album was, releases. Yeah. It's like, I know I was in Kansas whenever Trump got elected because we came back. He's like, oh, hey, this is going on now. So it would have been the year after that because we came back. I worked at another place for a year, and then I went to Bubba's. So what, 2012 was when he got so big, 2013, right? That would make, yeah, that would make was sense. Was it 2012 or was it 2016? I don't 2016, know, It was 2016 because 2020 was a current one, so it would have been 2017 when I gave you the book. Well, I was going to say, because I know I moved to Wichita, I think, at the end or the beginning of, I think, the end of 2016. I don't know. Yeah. Again, 100% like, music been is like my time 17, machine for it, yeah. yeah. Somewhere around there, yeah. And I don't remember how long I'd been managing there before like Nick walked in the, in the door and I was like, I don't know what your name is, but you're hired. <laughs> I like Well, you. that whole process was funny too because I was at my job. I was like, I got to get out of here. And I just went on, um, and not Indeed. Yeah, I wasn't been Indeed. 
Yeah. Bartender, Bubba's 33. Fuck it. Put my app in. And then I got the call from Christine. She's like, hey, come in for an interview. I just remember, like, I mean, I know people can't see right now because you're on a podcast, but are you, like, six, seven? No, I think it's it's between four and five, I think, yeah. I mean, like, you're a very, you have a very big, tall presence anyways. So I just remember you walking in and you're like, hey, I want to work at your bar. I'm like, (laughs) you do? You don't just want to run this place? Because, okay. And that interview was insane because Tony was the guy then. He's like, oh, yeah, let me walk you around, sit down, buy your beer. I'm like, you're going to buy me a beer at my job interview? Yeah, I remember that. Oh, God, that's so funny. So many memories coming up. So, yeah, so we worked in, like, this corporate setting. Yeah, he bartended for us, and I was managing, but I think within, like, six months, I was like, can I make Nick a manager because I need someone to talk to in the office all the time. And that was, like, a weird experience, too, because the previous job I was at, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll make you manager. Yeah. Keep going, bud. Yeah, keep going. And, I was like, and then finally, about a year later, I was like, fuck you guys, I'm gone. So I'll go somewhere else. <laughs> and I'd got back and, and fully gotten into the depths of going back to school, and it was not in my plan at all to stay in the restaurant business. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, because wow. it's like, yeah, passion in the restaurant business and, and helping people out. And I don't know. I think it's a training ground for empaths. Absolutely. You know, like you 100%. know how to serve people and serve their hearts and really give them that time. Well, yeah, I feel like once you are the servant of everybody, you can't fall any lower than that. I mean, that's. That's the highest. You, I don't know. I think it's a pretty humbling experience. Like when I think back to dish pits, grease traps, trash cans, like all these things that I know a lot of people don't experience in like their lives that keeps them humble when, you know, maybe they didn't have to do a job like that anymore, which I was helping people with their jobs, but nothing is more humbling to me than working at a restaurant. Oh yeah. What well, was a safe space for, I guess, people with broken families too. And I think that's what really pulled me into it. Oh, yeah. Well, we all became a family. And like every time, like I noticed every time we hired like a wave of people, I would be doing their orientations and I would be like, I I need to understand like who you are as a person because we're all going to take this training on differently. So like if you're going through a breakup right now, but you just got married, you guys are going to take the training on completely different. (laughs) It's going to be a lot easier for one of you. I said, so I love keeping secrets for people. So if you need to go outside by the dumpster and tell me why you can't take day two's training like go ahead and explain it to me so I under, like I know how to treat you I'm not saying tell me all your junk but you got to like check their pulses and understand if they're not getting the the curriculum like what's really going on with them and I learned that from just like day one at Texas Roadhouse they would be like we're gonna get to know you we're family we're family so there was this like vortex that we noticed that we were like pulling people in and not just because we needed people to work at the restaurant we were building our own family intentionally and like karma was being served to us with anybody that walked in the door. We're like, oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Here she comes. We know that she's got some problems, but yeah. we're supposed, she's supposed to come into our family. So this family that we built around us, I mean, corporate world aside, obviously it was draining, but like we loved our people at the time. And I think that was more draining than anything, because if you're too close to the forest to see the trees, are you really helping them at that point? Like, you can't fire this person because you know this and this and this is going on in their life yep. and you're supposed to be helping. So it, it, I honestly thought, again, it was a really good training ground because like you said, you know, I need my days off to recharge, but I always know that like I go into work and I take, I have all of this energy going through me and then I'm 100% completely drained. Well, it's even seeing uh, the people change. So 
I guess I'm not gonna name any names, but like the restaurant I'm currently working at right now, and like I've seen attitudes change. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I try to just promote the positivity, but I saw, I guess the vibe whenever I came in, it's changing. I don't know. I think I wouldn't that's say one it's of the all best. on me, but it's, 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 a, it's definitely a group comments. effort. Yeah. So when before I got the job at the store and I was interviewing for it, they were like very, they weren't like trying to sell a sinking ship. They were like, you already know what's been going on here. This is what you're coming in to do. You know, you're going to have to redo labor. You're going to have to redo morale. You're going to have to redo culture. They're like, you come from Roadhouse, so we're not really worried that you can't do morale and culture. It's just like, do you think you're going to be able to do this? Because it's an emotionally taxing job. Absolutely. And I was just like, yeah, sure, I'll be able to do it. But I had so much passion for the brand anyways. Like, I understood the culture. I understood the morale. So when I got in there, I was like, give me the keys. Give me free reign. <laughs> and I got you. So Dave left, and he came back in a couple months later. And he's like, I don't expect any of your numbers to be great the first year, so I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to continuously come check up on you because, again, you're firing a lot of people right now. You know, yeah. you're clearing house. And um, he walked in like a couple months later, and I was like dead by this point. I wouldn't have even know, known if I would have actually done anything good because I wasn't taking care of you're myself. You're so close to the, the problem that it's hard to see the solution oh, when yeah. it's coming in. Oh, I, I, I mean, by the end of it, I was like, I must be the problem. You know, <laughs> I must need to go. Yeah. But at the time, he walked in and he goes, you know, I don't know what it is, but it's I recognize it from the first time I met you to walking in the building now. He goes, it has to be your energy. Well, what do you call and you, the unicorn? You, yeah, he called me the, <laughs> the unicorn. unicorn yep. He's like, I'll never understand it. He goes, but there's always been something weird and dark and ominous about Wichita almost. Or maybe it's because, you know, of how much money we threw in this building to get it to work. He goes, but since I come in here, he's like, when I walk in the door, it's just... I don't know. It's just, it's got its own energy. Nothing's like this place anymore. And I didn't recognize energy. I didn't understand energy, which is what I'm going to go back into in cosmic energy. So besides that, I think at the time, not really having the self-worth that I have now, I never recognized that I actually was changing the energy. Like I was the, the salt lamp in the room. Yeah. You know? Well, it's, it's one thing. Cause like, yeah, I'm the manager, but you don't really look that people look up to you. So when, when shit starts hitting the fan and things go crazy and you start freaking out. Well, you like can't freak out. That was the suit, problem. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think people really understand when you're like, I'm I'm the front of house manager because in our concept, it's front of house and back house. Yeah. So front of house means you're going to hire all of the employees. You're going to train all those employees with your training team. But you're technically responsible for every employee in the building, clocked in or clocked off, and you're responsible for every guest. So if someone um, gets a fender bender in the parking lot, if somebody passes out in the parking lot, if somebody, if a guest hits another guest, if it's too hot, if it's too cold, if a guy passes out, if a TV needs turned up, like all there's of these, so many moving parts all that I don't of these think moving parts to the machine and there's one of you and you technically run a business that at the time was like a four dining room space. Yep. You had your family area, your second family area and your garage bar and a large party area and like takeouts, which doesn't really matter because I was the kitchen manager, but you knew that you had to observe it as kind of being omnipresent in a sense. You had to know if your appetizers weren't coming out, well, you need to go back and check on your fry guy. If this isn't coming out, you have to go back to the origin and you have to go check the pulse of your person. You could don't just go dog them. You're not like, hey, your shit's not coming out. <laughs> yeah, Get it to fucking together. You well, you want to because 100%. you're like you, but what I realized most of my frustration was 
is I didn't know that I was the only person with this vision in my head. Yeah. Like, oh, my servers are over here. This food's coming out here. This is here. I have to go check on that guest problem right there. Then Candy's crying in the office, so I need to go get her. <laughs> which, oh, wait, there really was a girl there named really Candy. Was a girl named my Candy, bad. Yeah. She wasn't crying in the office. That was just like a random <laughs> name I pulled out of my head. My bad. <laughs> um, but like all of these things are going on at once. And I think my frustration is nobody saw everything that I was doing to like keep the dam from breaking. Yeah. Like all my fingers were in the dam and all my toes were plugging it. And they would still be like, you're not doing enough. Oh, you're you're in a bad mood now. Right. Why are but you angry? Why are you angry? I'm like, because you took advantage of me. Yeah. Because you you manipulated me into, you know, doing this and doing this and doing this. You so said everything all, was fine. I went to your table and got yelled at. Yeah, exactly. Like, hey, am I going to go over there? And they're going to be really mean. But again, back to the energy of it. I didn't understand that you could actually affect people as positively as you wanted to. But I was so used to just having that like negative anchor if I really wanted to pull into it which is why like you walk into work and you know most days you're like hey guys hi hi I try hi, to make it a point to say hi, hi to everybody hi. yeah yeah and that's, but when, then, that's when but my people know days, something's wrong yes. Nick walks in and goes straight to the office something's yep. wrong <laughs> and that was the mistake that I made whether I wore a hat which was like the key oh no don't talk to her <laughs> or yeah if I wouldn't say hi to everybody but sometimes I was already exhausted thinking about going to work so I was like even if I say hi I'll be like hi and like I just walked in the door and like I'm I'm the new morale of the day. So if I come in at three o'clock to close and I'm like, yeah, fuck, I don't want to be here. Well, you just set your whole team up for the yep. rest of the night to kind of just not take life as serious. The guest is serious and the whole restaurant because you're just kind of like, well, Cheyenne doesn't care today. So what I can I get I, away yeah. with? Yeah. So, I mean. I developed multiple personalities just in managing restaurants, even even before like, you know, you have a split personality, whether you're doing stuff you're not supposed to be doing, but <laughs> we'll get into that later. When it comes back to energy, um, Nick gave me this book when we were working together and the beginning says, you are energy. Everything you see, smell, taste, or touch is energy. Every plant, tree, creature, object, even your thoughts and feelings are energy. I started reading this and I was like, this is absolutely correct. This is exactly how I think. This is exactly how not only I see the world, but I don't see the world anymore, but I used to. And I would get flashbacks of like my inner child running on the farm and feeling connected to the plants and feeling connected to the animals and having a mutual respect for them and not like an ownership and a possession. And these are the flashbacks that I'm getting still in like what, yeah. 2014. And well, I'm my- like what like this you're right like you gave me this book you're like I think this is exactly what you need this broke me have fun bud (laughs) and I read the first one and I remember just closing the book and being like I don't know when Nick's getting this book back because I know I do need this but it is far past me right now and I'm not at the point of evolution but it was like a perfect seed planted for me I mean still the book's right here yeah, I haven't read it in probably eight years too. Maybe I'll read it again. Yeah, maybe I'll give it back. You never yeah. know. So with like, I know that you're tucked into like my breadcrumb awakening story. Like you're one of those, to me, you're one of those guides that kind of came in and was like, think about it like this, bud. Yeah. And like, I still call people bud because of you to this day. And, and I always immediately think of you and just like how happy you are when you say it. But you're one of those people for me. So I have always wanted you to come on and explain to me, like, not necessarily like what your awakening story was, but 
How how did you become Nick with a name you're not even supposed to have? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, just dive in to the very introduction from my, I guess, introduction to spirituality. I was dating a girl at the time, and um, while we before we just like my mom's a psychic. I'm like, okay, well, all I know is Miss Cleo and the 800 hotline, so I wasn't really sure what that meant. Mm-hmm. Or then, that like anybody could do it. That anybody, yeah, actually, yeah, absolutely. I thought, oh no, these are people just like oh picking out generalities and and trying to pick apart your life on that. Exactly, it's a horoscope. Or but something. then actually going in and I met her mom, and immediately when I walked in their house, I just felt warm and comforting and light. And I sat down on her couch and I fell asleep like within the first five minutes. Like I like taking naps <laughs> everywhere. And so I, I passed out on their couch near immediately after like introducing myself to them. And um, great first impression, by the way. I know, right? It's yeah. probably I always terrible. Think that. <laughs> <laughs> I know if my daughter brings home a guy and he falls asleep on my couch, like what's what's going on what's here? Up? You're like, oh, we were. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like that with her. I woke up and um she had like this huge smile on her face. The mom, right? Yeah, her mom okay. had this huge smile on her face. Like I made eye contact with, I can't remember the exact words she said, but it was something like, welcome back. Thank you. I was like, what do you mean welcome back? <laughs> and then, so going deeper into that, uh, found out she doesn't like people falling asleep at her house. Or just being at her house and in, in general. And in general, yeah, because yeah. I mean, you're bringing in energies and. Or not just energies, but attachments. It, uh, absolutely attachments. Can, with With that level of understanding of what's out there, you have a severe form of energy management. Absolutely. And so it's. Going from that, looking back, it's yeah. When you're when you're sleeping, you're vulnerable to things coming in and coming out. Um, spiritually, I guess I don't know the right yeah word He's to put whatever, it. Yeah, but yeah, she didn't like people sleeping at her house just for that reason that she didn't want to invite attachments or anything like that. And I guess when she woke up, or I woke up, and she had a huge smile on her face, it just felt good and reassuring. And then uh, shortly after that, I started having huge bouts of sleep paralysis uh probably the scariest thing in the entire world when you wake up and see your body and everything around you and you can't <laughs> wake up or get up from the couch that you're sleeping on but aren't you like screaming in your head screaming to like in my wake head. yourself the, the, too? the worst one i remember i was in my friend's basement no i was in this garage and they had turned the garage into a living room and there was a couch and i was sleeping on her lap and then i woke up or thought i woke up and i could literally i felt like i was floating three feet above my body could see everybody so around could me. could you see your body? 100%. I could see my body. I could see my friends. I could see her. I could see my head in her lap. And I'm like, get up. <laughs> what are you doing? Get up. Are you dead? And what's going on? Like screaming at myself, wake up. And then I finally did wake up. And I was like, did you guys not hear me? Like telling you to like wake me up. And they're like, well, you're mumbling. But we didn't know what was going on. <laughs> Though you were just passed out talking in your sleep. And then so I started talking to her mother about that. And that's really, I guess, when uh, the spiritual side of the world opened up to me. When she's like, you know, there's things you do when you're sleeping. You know, your spirit leaves your body. I don't even know what to call spirit or your energy. Astral travel. Astral traveling is leaving your body. And then your body's physically ready to get back up. But your energy or your spirit's not there to... Do it. <laughs> actually do it for you so it's so you're stuck in these like weird brain stuck in the states. absolutely and um which sounds supremely terrifying so had you always been an astral traveler like not known the words for it but had had that always been happening i don't to know you, or i would assume so does I, it still happen 
it doesn't um i have really vivid dreams but i don't ever see myself from a third person mm-hmm. um i don't know if i'm willingly not doing that anymore or what it is Okay, so you have sleep paralysis. So do you automatically think it's sleep paralysis or do we get in the demonic presence versus sleep paralysis conversation no, with yeah, ourselves? No, yeah, jump right into demonic possession. Yeah, you're that's, like, that's, obviously that's, yeah, these that's are... When I started doing my research, you know, looking back, there's paintings, there's writings, there's text of, I mean, there's literally paintings of a lady sleeping and it's like this demon sitting on her chest. Mm-hmm. Like, I know. And you can like see the panic and it's... Is that what it felt like That's to you? That's exactly what it felt like, yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's always a, um, not that someone's pushing on your chest, but someone's hands, like, like you can feel a hand mm-hmm. on your chest. You feel something there. And pressure. Then pressure, absolutely. Um, I don't know. Did you ever feel like you, you saw an entity other than yourself, or you could just see yourself? I wouldn't say entity or face. There was, so, I always... Try to think. Maybe maybe I was twelve years old, ish. I wasn't I wasn't in high school yet. I think I was still in middle school. I started dreaming of this statue, and this damn statue had always been my dreams, and I never thought anything of it. And then it was always just the same. It's just always the same statue. Yep, always the same statue. Always it was always a golden statue. And I'm not going to describe it. I don't want anybody looking it up. We'll get into it later, (laughs) but. As I started, I stopped having those, I guess, for a while. But mm-hmm. when that sleep paralysis started happening again, that statue was back. Mm-hmm. So, and then there would be times when I would wake up and see uh, light, like a, a oval of light mm-hmm. or like a ball of light, mm-hmm. an orb, I guess is yeah. the best way to describe it. Mm-hmm. And and these followed you when you were a kid too, absolutely, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Pictures they were always, like always around My mom's you. got this picture somewhere. Literally, it's, it's a picture of me in my grandmother's room and it looks like a, a white like a silhouette of a bird, but it's, it's obviously not a bird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. I love all the orb stories that you have that follow you throughout your life. Like past the time that kids wouldn't see them or like they don't really show up anymore. Yeah. And as a kid, I remember, I guess seeing weird stuff, but you never. You just think like, oh, I'm together. a kid. Yeah and, then, yeah. and then thinking back, you're like, am I, am I recalling this the correct way? Or is this just my current version of myself interpreting what the past version of myself went through? Mm-hmm. So. That's a good way to think about it. Okay, so you go you go to entities. Did you did you want to talk about like what you might have found out about the statue or you don't want to say anything else more about it? I 100% can show you a picture of the statue and the name of the statue, but it's I mean, I just don't, you don't, you I don't, don't want to, to invite people into that. Yeah, I'm I comfortable with it. I just don't it caused me a lot of grief in my life. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't want to impart that onto somebody else, yeah. I guess. So I'm I'm Assuming that what you found is that this was a bad type of statue. One hundred percent. And um and the statue, the name, the entity, the being. Doing all my research, it it was like an actual It was a real statue. An actual real, real statue. So yeah. like I I literally went on Google, I was like typing in statue looks like this, has these features, and then right there. Right there. It was the exact popped thing up the exact seen. same thing. So mm-hmm. I started going deep into that. Which, I mean, how could you not how if it's not, yeah. recurring yeah. in your dream? Yeah. So I started curious. researching that and. <laughs> how scary is that, though? That's scary, Because yeah. you're trying, like, you're trying to connect a dream that you had that's already, like, ethereal in a sense. You're like, what does this mean? What does this mean? Yeah. But then you go to Google and this thing that and you confirms. didn't provoke. Well, it's, it's scary to know that it, it dates back so far. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I'm experiencing this now, but. 
people have been, I don't know how long ago that was. I'd have to do my research, but mm-hmm. you know, Sumerian is pretty much the beginning of, yeah. I guess, human beings as we know of culture. Yeah. So now there's been records of that, you know, coming up and then now into current. Mm-hmm. It's like, how could you not? I think Sumerian is one of the first like recorded histories of human beings. Yeah, it? so it like you talk about the rewrote, book of Enoch a lot. Yeah, yeah. It, it rewrote um, the Adam and Eve story is completely different. Right. Like the snake Based isn't on, a bad entity. The snake right. is actually trying to give Adam and Eve knowledge to take care of themselves yeah. so they're not enslaved mm-hmm. by, um, uh, it's not It's not the God that, like the Christian God that we mm-hmm. talk about, but it is, I think it ties into like the, I want to say the Anunnaki, but I feel like yep, it's right. It's Inca and there's two brothers. There's a a god of the physical world and a god of the it's spirit Anki world. Anki and I can't remember what the other one. Yeah, I can't yeah. think of what it is. Um, but basically the physical god enslaved the spirit god. So then the physical god impersonated the spirit god. So what they were saying is the spiritual, one of the spiritual gods became the snake and the snake had Eve bite into the apple of Eden one to have knowledge. But the knowledge that she first got was a tool for tool making, chopping down your trees and getting and harvesting your own food. Mm. So when they... Um, found several pieces of the Sumerian text and started translating it. Literally one of the first things on there was that the way that we were taught Adam and Eve, not only does it predate it, but according to linear timeline, you know, oops, we got the story wrong because however many thousand years ago, this is what was actually translated. So they had to go back into like, why would they put them on certain slabs? So they knew what slabs to put on. Like there was a point where they would do limestone like back in the day. And then obviously like, why would you put anything on limestone? It's just going to disintegrate. So they were noticing that like even the dead sea scrolls, there's dead sea scrolls that are on copper because they knew that it would stand the test of time with the way that they were going to be in the caves and all of that stuff. And it's not like copper was an easily attainable element and at it, that time. And it you wasn't had to go like, through such a process to well, make the actual... Well, not just that, but it was too expensive. So yeah. these friars that were recording all this stuff, like they knew they were going to die. So they were like, how did they get copper? Because a friar doesn't have enough money to even attain a piece of it. And these people like had scrolls. So, I mean, sure, maybe with everything being lit on fire and everybody running into caves to hide, they're writing this it's almost like a last will and testament of humanity because whatever these i want to say it's like the roman catholic church honestly whatever come what entity comes in to destroy all of that religion like they're like what do what does humanity need to know for the truth what do they need to know and then they hide these things in these caves and eventually you know obviously they're sacrificed for their beliefs yeah and i feel like they what can the mass handle like yeah. Obviously, a, a small group of people can handle, um, I guess, much more deeper information. But what what can we present out to the whole? Yeah. To what, not are you, what are you going to do when you find out that the Bible that you were brought up on for generations, we just found this text that actually proves that your story is inaccurate? Yeah. You know, like how do you how do you reverse that mindset? Even if you know it's the truth, like how do you do that? Mm-hmm. So just again, finding that statue just from dream to, oh my God, it's on Google. I can't imagine the, like the mind altering like thing that that would do to you. Yeah. And the scarier part after that is my buddy started having really bad experiences as well. 
and he would talk to me about it. It sounds like a Dybbuk box that got put in your dreams. <laughs> which you know, you yeah, know what those know are, right? What no, what's a Dybbuk box? So um, I can't think like culturally what it is, but it, it was basically a box where I think in the Jewish culture, they would trap entities in these boxes and like families would have them. That's kind of crazy you, put, you say you that because like, the first time I saw the statue, it was like in a, I wouldn't say in a box, but it was like. This is gonna be really weird, but it was, it was. I was peeing in the dream, and the, this, <laughs> it was on the back of the toilet, and it was like, um, looked like a box that had opened, like you know when you open and display something. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. So it looked like it was like a shrine, like on display on the toilet, mm-hmm. and <laughs> so, like the doors are open, and you can. Yeah, see so it always. It, so it wasn't like like this huge statue was in the middle of the forest, and you were always no, running in the forest. Like, like the statue put itself. And I guess they call it a statue. Um, it's an entity, definitely one hundred percent. Yeah, but. You know, you whoever really, made the statue, you can't really, like, draw it out it, or whatever. Yeah. But it's like the yeah. the personification is what I've been seeing, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, that's just that's so when crazy. it gets that's when it gets scarier because it's like yeah, what if it doesn't look like that? But you, regardless, I had never known anything previous to it. So you have this personification of what I'm seeing, and then I go to Google and blah blah blah, blah type this in, and there Boom, it is right there. there. It is. So what do you do from that moment? Especially like now, your friend's having weird stuff happen to him. Yeah, so he You've starts clearly. Having, have an attachment 100 percent. i have an attachment and then i start going and reading further into it well it turns out this attachment has something this attachment has an, an entity that it's always that ends with right so my first so thought goes to like primordially this energy has been at odds for eons eons absolutely okay and then so i'm like all right whatever let me do my research on this entity that is at odds with mine so I start reading into it and looking into it, and then my buddy's telling me the things that are going on with him. So I start asking him questions like, what's going on? You know, do you feel like you see this? Do you feel like this happens to you? And he's like, yeah, confirming, confirming everything. I'm like, well, I think we are. we're both possessed. So he's experiencing the entity that's he's that experiencing the, the opposite. one that you're experiencing. Exactly. And it's, it's one of those things where I don't know if I um, brought that onto him or not, or it was already with him. Oh, like because of what you were experiencing and how yeah. close you were to him. When then he that had, entity's like, oh, cool. Let's bring this to life yes. then. Yes, and he had had uh, previous events in his life as well that I guess could lead to that energy coming in. But Do you guys think that it was some sort of karma, though? Like if you think about how you even came into each other's lives to have this experience happen, wouldn't that make more sense than, oh, I might have just accidentally given my yeah, buddy that's, that's, I guess a that's true. Demon. So. Um, I guess backstory on him. So whenever I was in, I got kicked out of my house in high school, I guess, pretty much. Not kicked out, but can't live here anymore. Hard can't life. live here anymore. Can't yeah. live here anymore. Go live with your friend. And yeah. So I live with him and his parents, very religious background with his parents. You know, his parents are some of the most loving people I've ever met in my entire life. And yeah, we've, we've been, we're, we're still great friends. But during that time, we were at ends with each other. I mean, we lived in the same apartment. But there was, like, no reason for it. Is that what I'm getting from the story? Yeah. It's just, like, why are we doing this? Yeah. Pretty much. It was, like, why? I know. I'd already known mine, but to know that someone else is going through that, and to know that it's your best friend, and to know that (laughs) those two energies fight with each other, it's it's brutal. Yeah, it is. How'd you come out of it, then? I mean, I know you guys, like, still feel like you're repairing that relationship Um, from when it happened, but... When you know that it's more of like a spiritual attack, then you're not getting along with your friend anymore. I, I don't really like, know how you do that. Yeah, we, we, we didn't talk for the longest time. And then 
I don't know. I, I quit feeding the energy, I guess. I kept, I quit giving the energy to that. Like even researching it too. Like I, you quit I quit, looking 100%, everything I quit up. looking at it, the name, you know, I quit saying the name. I quit telling other people about it. Cause at the time I was like, reaching Check out, Hey, do you out. know this? Do you know this? Can you help me with this? Yeah. And then, it's all like kind of Harry Potter-ish, right? The name that shall not be said or whatever, right? No, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, it 100% is yeah. like, especially with Andy and Tiffany's. I mean, I right. just, I don't give that And that episode any love. ripped me because yeah. I don't know. Well, I remember you called me. You're like, Dude. as soon as I heard that episode, I was like, "Hey, do you know what the name of that entity was that was after them?" Because I'm pretty sure yeah, it might be. Yeah, and, and no, and I'll, I'll yeah. never know the entities. Which is good. I mean, that's how that's how it should stay. But it's it's that um, knowing that somebody else felt that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like we're humans. That's it's it, com- well, it's comforting to know because yeah. I think, uh, especially with anything supernatural like that, whether you're whether you see de- dead people and that's like a power that's opening up, or like just a random dead person visits you one day on a Wednesday and you're not prepared for it. If it only happens that one time and then your life goes back to like normalcy, then you're like, eventually you'll just convince yourself that that never really happened or it's it didn't happen enough that you can just kind of write it out. Like mm-hmm. the science will explain this away or I'll move so far away from it that I'll never have to explore it. And I feel like that's what I did. I just quit feeding into that energy. I quit <laughs> giving any attention to it and I don't know looking back I'm like well how did I get out of that but yeah. here I am you know I, I quit feeding into it I guess that's the best way to do it um I mean we talked about earlier how you're I mean you need like analytical understanding very much so yeah with also understanding my human brain can only go this far so did you just go down the rabbit hole enough where you're like I've went far enough to, I actually know that I have to turn back now. Yeah, no, I went headfirst into the abyss yeah. and then realized, <laughs> shit. <laughs> climb Here we go. Out, yeah, climb, climb out. out, climb out, pull yourself climb out. Climb out, climb out. And I guess the hardest part is it, it's, um, it was during a time of extreme substance abuse in my life. So, you know, when you're under the influence of certain substances, you're inviting, whether you know it or not, you're inviting energy. Well, it's a lower vibrational state. Exactly. Just yeah. Ab- like to get into vibration and frequency. Like most people talk about being under the influence of alcohol. These things can happen to you, but you technically are opening yourself up to being like penetrated by another spirit, oh, another yeah. attachment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that wasn't my intention. My intention was like, hey, I want to get high. Yeah. <laughs> and well, then yeah, little, little exactly. do I know. And I think, I think that's a really important subject too because a lot of times, like we talk about plant medicine a lot, whether, whether it's with good intent, ayahuasca, yeah, or for healing purposes or marijuana, you alcohol, it doesn't really matter what, what it you're is. opening up to. Anytime that you invite your spirit to travel, mm-hmm. And have a different experience than the human experience. Mm-hmm. You're leaving your human form open to a different type of spirit to join you or inhabit you. And you really have to have the right protections in place. And a lot of times all humans are trying to do is trip or get out of their brain yeah, because they've had into an altered state. Right. Yep. And they're not thinking about, I need to protect my energy. And a lot of times we have walk-ins and... Yeah. Stuff so happens right here. <laughs> do you do you remember the show? I think it was called like That's So Weird. I think it was on Disney when we were younger. And it was about a girl that actually like astral traveled. So she would consistently have to like go and fall asleep and hide her body because she knew that and I can't believe this was on Disney. You can find it on Disney Plus yeah. now. Well no, it makes crazy. sense it'd be on D- D- Disney. Plain, yeah. Playing the little seeds. Yes. You know? 
No, that's just they but, have to tell us. They had to put it in front of our faces. Yeah, so, yeah, that we don't so we don't. It. But yeah. well, again, me, it was oh, just like a regular fantasy, five you know? p.m. five p.m. show. But this girl, like her parents, I think are like musicians, so she's always on the road traveling. Mm-hmm. And then she astral travels to go save somebody somewhere else, and mm-hmm. then something always happens where she can't get back to her body in time. She's not going to die mm-hmm. or anything, but like these entities know that she's outside of her body, so it gives you this negative portrayal that if you're mm-hmm. out traveling that something technically yes can come into your body but i have i've listened to a lot of people that train and study and help with astral travel Mm -hmm. and they always talk about like the thread that connects your soul to your body (laughs) right and i still can't figure out if that's actually true or if that's like a fear-mongering thing that they've taught you about you i feel like it's actually true i mean in my experiences with it i felt like there's a tether so um like there's something that pulls you back. Like, so, hey, yeah, you've gone far enough. It's the easiest way to explain it. Um, if anyone's seen Lord of the Rings, when Frodo puts that ring on, boom, Shadow World or whatever. I've always thought that too. Yeah. That's so it's the like, closest okay, so representation I could not, think. You mean you're in your body still, but it's yeah. like you put that ring on and now the shadow, you're in this different realm uh-huh. and everyone, they like all look at him now. Like, oh, we can see you now. We can see you. I yeah. had that experience. We can see you. Yeah. Yes. But then with traveling or astral traveling, I always felt like, I don't know, this is a white line was always there. So mm-hmm. you could always retrace your pack back, your path back, but there's That's just comforting. different, <laughs> different realms you can get into to see things you're not supposed to see or open yourself to things you're not ready for. I don't know. See, you don't I've have, never you don't have any understanding of it. Enough so. about that. But, I even struggle but, on a guided meditation that wants me to walk through a window of sunlight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I understand we just did the <laughs> practice and all of that, but I, and maybe just me personally, I've never felt educated enough to do the astral travel, but I did make the mistake of doing a past life regression guided meditation in my bedroom back in Quincy. And I woke up in a teepee on fire and I couldn't get the fuck out Yikes. of the vision. We could, we mm. could talk, can we talk about past lives? I think, I, I don't know. Yeah, we can talk about whatever you want. Another dream that I have that I have an ex- and, um, totally irrational fear of heights. <laughs> Because that of a, that I didn't po- know a that possible I had. past life? Is um, yeah, that what so, you think? Um, it's it's kind of been a reoccurring dream, but it's I'm in, a, I'm in a truck, and we're driving along a mountainside, and the fucking truck goes off the cliff, and yeah. I can literally see myself falling and dying. But the thing is, it's not, I'm, the person that's in that truck is not me. You know, it's not yeah. how I look, it's not whatever. Yeah, yeah. But it's... Um, do you feel like a personal connection yes, to the person in the truck? Very much so. I have heard. And the funny thing about this, is, this is so I've weird. Heard it's past I've never life-y. talked about this to anybody, but um, let's tell the world. The, yeah. The, the the music playing in the, the music playing in the trunk or in the truck is uh, Princess Purple Rain. <laughs> so it's and literally that came out right as I was born. So I feel like you died. Oh. Like you were you were oh, you were alive when wow. that prince was flying. You died, and that's like one of my favorite albums of all times. So I don't know. If, I don't know. It's like, am and I tying that together? But, and or, you were born at three, three, three. Yeah. Oh wow, yeah. that's so. And there's mystical. just so much that I, I don't. Like, where do I put my hands? I don't know. Yeah, Ricky Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there's um. So there's a thing. So when I mentioned about walk-ins, there's um this thing. Um, and I'm gonna butcher it, and I'm not really. I haven't done my research. I don't have my notes, but. I'll kind of talk about it a little bit where there's agreements 
between souls to where someone has like a near-death experience or a death experience and they've made agreement with other souls that like when I have this near-death experience at say 25, I'm going to do the work that I need to do by 25 and then at 25 I'm going to head out of here and you get to come in and take over. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so this soul is going to take the body until 25 and new soul is going to walk in at 25 and take over. They've actually said that there's a lot more souls like that um, in the world right now. Like mm-hmm. they say, like one, there's a waiting list to come to earth in general with everything that's going on. Why? <laughs> well, with everything that's going on. Yeah. So well, according to the like the, the great awakening and the new, the new earth and like us moving from 3d to 4d to 5d. Yeah. So it's, it's Dolores Cannon that I'm going to speak about. And she basically said that a pulse went out into the universe and it was a call for help for earth. Like the Arecibo message. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. like picture a sound wave mm-hmm. and in that sound wave, just kind of like you can store stuff on like a record or a CD mm-hmm. in that sound wave, any extraterrestrial entity, good, bad in existence, here's earth needs help. Earth needs help. So, according to like the galactic federation and universal law not all the aliens can just come swoop down and be like earth you're fucking up stop it <laughs> but no, it makes because sense there's all a bunch flicking back yeah so there's a bunch of like universal laws that they can't do but you know how we talked about the piece of paper you poke a hole through it and there's the light yep well i was telling her i said i want to make a tiktok about it where there's a bunch of entities up there and they're like okay we got the new list of people that are woke and you can talk to who do you want to talk to <laughs> What do you want to talk to him about? And they're like, okay, well, I'm going to go to Nick in Wichita, Kansas. He just woke up three weeks ago. Shit's feeling a little froggy. He just saw a dead person last night. So let's recap the let's recap his past life for him. Okay, go ahead and throw in that reoccurring dream for him. Don't forget Purple Rain or he won't know what the F is going yeah, on. Yeah, no, and that's, that's the thing you know? is about those dreams. Like there's these, little things here and there. There's little magical little pieces yeah. about it. But back to the waiting list for Earth, that's all I've heard from readers, anybody like Dolores Cannon and talking about the evolution of the human and consciousness as a whole coming into which again five years ago i'd have been like okay universal consciousness that's really cool we're all connected kumbaya but now i'm like no freaking seriously science-based take your emotions out of it analytical left brain look into non-locality quantum quantum leaping quantum physics everything and you'll be like oh my god we all really are connected it's just this is this is all an illusion that's Mm -hmm. what scares me the most about it is because i'm trying to make sense of it like oh yeah Maybe that was just a regular dream. And you're then it's like, it's like is that my brain telling me like, hey, no, that that's a dream. You're fine. Like, this yeah. isn't real. And then my other side of my brain's like, no, dude, you died yeah. falling off a mountain. It's super trippy. <laughs> so, but, but, um, so I found out I was really afraid of heights. I never even knew I was afraid of heights, but I'm in the UK with my, um, at the time it was my girlfriend, my wife now. And there's this mountain, Mount Snowden in, in Wales. <laughs> and we were like, okay, we're going to go hike the mountain. And we pick like a mediocre path. So anyways, we get to the path where it starts to wrap around the mountain and it's like a free fall on the left side. And I fucking <laughs> lost my shit. I got uh, pictures of it. It's hilarious. I got down on my hands and knees and started like crawling backwards, like <laughs> totally afraid. So it's like her, her friend is like, like there's little kids skipping past me like, oh, this is so fun. And then you have me like literally <laughs> in a ball on the ground crying, moving backwards. See, I found out. Not that same way I was scared of heights, but when I think we were in the Ozarks when we were kids and you could get off and park your boat somewhere and like swing off of a cliff back into the water. And I was like, oh, it looks so fun. This is so adventurous. I'm going to do it. And then we get up there and they're like, make sure you hold your breath like at the top because you won't 
you won't be grabbing a quick breath before you hit the water. Yeah. I do not remember if I actually was able to jump off. The memory does not continue after this point. I'm pretty sure they had to grab me back down and just put me in the boat. The only reason I think that is because I got froze on a diving board when I was a kid. Like 20 kids lined up back. The lifeguard had to come and get me off of the diving board. But then every, I was like, I, I'm not scared of heights. I can do this. And I would continue to go back up on the diving board and get stuck. Yeah. I got Funny stuck on a spider that. web when I was a kid. You know those things? In the park? Yeah. I yeah. got stuck on one of those. They blew the recess whistle. Everybody else is lined up. I'm fucking waving on a <laughs> ship that's going down. Three teachers had to climb up to get me because I had no idea, one, how I got up there, and I don't know how you're getting me down. You better call the fire department. Yep, so I went back a second time to take that mountain on, and I was like, all right, cool, I'm taking the, the, I'm doing this. I'm taking the easy path. It's just a straight up, walk it up. <laughs> so we're going up it, we're going up it, and then there's no, like, because originally I was like, oh, I'm just afraid because I could have fallen off. That makes and then sense. so I'm climbing the top of this mountain again, and we get near the top. And there's just clouds all around you. I'm like, fuck, I know how high I am now. I cannot do this. So I immediately turned around and yeah. went back down. And my poor wife has never made it to the top of that mountain yet. No. <laughs> she tried. Because she went back, I think, a third time with her mother to do it. And then the weather got really bad, so they couldn't get to the top. But, yeah. Maybe she's just not meant to. She's not meant to. Yeah, I've ruined like, her, I've ruined her opportunity to. twice. That is way too funny. I found out I was scared of heights when I, you know, clearly so, well, was and, up and, on the mountain. And then when we went to Paris and did the Eiffel Tower thing, <laughs> you go up. Climbing Does it was that terrible. actually curve when you get up and it's scary. Well, because the the stairs are like rickety stairs, but they're they're guarded. You know, like if you fall down, you're not going to die or anything. I only use the <laughs> elevator, so I didn't. Yeah, but it. then yeah. but then I got Never to the been. I got to the top. They're like, oh yeah, you take the elevator to the top. And as soon as we got there, I just sat down. I was like, I can't do this. Yeah, like, can we just go back down now? Well, I thought about that in um the I think it's the Memorial Building for nine eleven. Mm-hmm. The I've never been there, and sometimes like I think I want to go see it, but I'd be okay if I didn't too. Um, but I've seen pictures like inside of it with all of the glass, and I think getting up there and then seeing down through the glass, I think that's what would get me mm-hmm. is like how far up you are. Because we did like the stratosphere in Vegas, the one that spins. <laughs> Like, I did that, but I couldn't walk up to the window and look down. Mm -hmm. But there's a bungee cord that you pass over and over, and they go, oh, yeah, that's the bungee cord they hook people to and throw them off off the side. Usually, at a different part of the year, you'll see people hanging off of a bungee cord outside of the restaurant. They also have a roller coaster that falls off the edge and then pulls you back slowly and falls off the edge and pulls you back slowly. There's a guy sitting in the very front car, not screaming. As I'm wa- and I'm just watching him, and I'm like, how, how is he doing that? Yeah. Like, how do people put themselves in that situation? Because I know that I can't, I can't do the roller coasters. I can't jump off cliffs. I've always wanted to skydive, but I think you'd have to scrape me off the inside of the airplane to actually get me to jump. Even though I think it would be intoxicating oh, and yeah. exhilarating. My sister was like, I've never done drugs in my life, but I'd assume that's what drugs are like. And if that's what <laughs> drugs are like. No wonder it's so hard to quit. <laughs> but I'm like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, sis. Even in the opposite, it's when I get to that edge or when I see it, it's like the mesmerizing. Like, I just jump off. Like, I just, see, want, I just want to jump off. There's, you know? I was trying to think of what it's called. It said there's an overwhelming psychosis that hits everybody on a cliff where they and 
just have this innate want to jump. Yeah. I and felt they're it. not suicidal. They don't want to die like Grand Canyon. There are people that go to the Grand Canyon and actually just get sucked into this mindset and they will just jump off into the abyss. What? They weren't suicidal. They didn't want to die, but they said it is in every human being. If you put them on the cliff, it's just, I think it's the, the spirit wanting to fly. Yeah. Like you just, you want to fly. You want that absolute freedom. But I'm going to have to Google what it is now. Yeah, because I can't imagine. No, like, I, I definitely know it's a phenomenon. It's, it really? is. I read random memes about it all the time, and I'm like, I remember yeah, feeling I was that like, I'm way. so scared of heights, but because when we, we went to the top of the Arc to Triumph, and that one, you can kind of like go to the edge. And I was like, I'm not going to the edge because I know I'm going to want to jump off. And I'm not suicidal at all. I'm, you know. I can't imagine ever wanting to jump off anything. Ever. Yuck. No. I want yeah. to jump on a trampoline. That is my jumping experiences maybe a trampoline park but it's like if i'm at the beach like in hawaii and the beaches they have you can you know jump off the cliffs into the water i'm i'm down with that 100 that doesn't scare me because i know i'm the water landing safely yeah but the water thing gets me because again like i imagine i want to take a breath right when i jump off but my ego will be like just grab it right before you hit the water and then you don't and i'm really good at jumping down and toothpicking yeah. So then you go farther down. Yeah. You're further down than you ever want to be. And okay, I do remember jumping off on a shallow cliff. I just got this flashback. I remember like it's okay, but they're like make sure that you like go straight down because if you mess around too much, you might accidentally like belly flop and that'll really hurt. So I remember toothpicking so far down that like I could feel like the sediment on the bottom, and I was like I was like I'm out of air and I'm on the bottom. So I, I was like going back up and it's just not fun for me like yeah. i don't uh-uh. i feel like nope. i'm literally dropping down into a new world and i do not have any of the supplies i need to survive in it and now i'm trying to get out of it now i'm in water i'm in a body of water that just made me uncomfortable and i just jumped from that cliff where's the fucking boat and does this does this like here's something i've always wondered like people who have decided they no longer want to live can jump off of a bridge and die Mm -hmm. or you can jump off the same height of a cliff for fun and live i don't understand that i honestly i mean you could go to karma soul contracts and it's not your time maybe see intention when you jump off i don't know intention when you jump off but like why right like okay so you can either decide that okay i really want to die so i'm going to jump the same height and i'm actually going to die or this is a lot of fun. I'm going to jump the same height and I'm going to have a lot of fun. And I'm like, but shouldn't the same height like kill you either way? Yeah, shouldn't you? Yeah, but we're all so different. Right. I don't know. You know, there's another funny story just popped in my head. Um, grew up in Hawaii. So we went camping one time and I was way out in the water and literally almost drowned and got saved. <laughs> I think from that day, I've just constantly held my breath like throughout my whole entire day like all day long i'm holding my breath and i don't know if it was that from that incident or what it was but do you still do that like you have on a regular basis yeah oh i wonder if that has anything to do with like your underlying anxiety though i don't know because i had a guy ever since i can remember i had had to be retrained his breath work just due to the trauma he had as a kid yeah yeah, he's like, I didn't sense. even realize that I wasn't breathing during my day. And, like, your breath is, it's pushing that oxygen through all of the, like, meridian lines oh, yeah. in your body, too. What is it, the Wim Hof method? Well, really? Wim Hof yeah. is wonderful. So many. I mean, I would talk about that all the time. And yep. the fact that I don't do it consistently every day annoys me because I know it works so good. 
But yeah, like probably two or three times in my day, I'll hold my breath to the point where I almost pass out. <laughs> Why would you do that? I have no idea. It's like, I don't know. It's when you do that, you get um, like tingling all throughout your body. Uh-huh. And then like, I don't know, like I'll hold my breath so much and then I feel like I'm going to pass out. And so then you I talked you earlier should... about having the anxiety, not on the episode, but you when we were talking personally, yeah. did your, did you have the anxiety issues before you had the almost drowning issue? No. My anxiety, so my is. anxiety came out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. But yeah, I mean, I, but There's even so like. so many things I'm like, I want to talk about this yeah. now. Yeah. But, but some of the worst I'll be like, I remember I'd be at work and I'd be in the side station. like, cool, I'm going to hold my breath for like two minutes right now. And I would just sit there and hold my breath and then get to the point where I'm almost blacking out. It's, it's, I don't know. It's like you want to prove to yourself if you ever almost know, drowned just, again, you can do it. It feels so good <laughs> to um, hold your breath that long and then Well, I get that, but while like, you're doing, like Wim Hof is understandable because you do like 15 cycle yeah, breaths, constant, like in, out, in, out, in, out, in, and then you hold it and, and you push it and push it yeah. and push it. So I understand like Wim Hof version, but you're like, I just randomly hold my breath for two no, minutes I'll, at I'll, a time. I'll probably do it 20 times during this episode too and not even. My wife knows I'm doing it because I'll make like little beeps are little like yeah she's like what are you doing i forgot to breathe for the last yeah i've been breathing two for a minutes. minute sorry <laughs> yeah sorry honey what a saint you are for reminding me to breathe <laughs> okay so before we get to your saint of a wife because i know that she plays a key role in so many parts of Absolutely. your life um but Let's let's go to like the Nick that you don't recognize and try to build a pathway of like how the hell am I because I know we're always like we're still in like some thick of some fire of whatever we're living in our life. But like when I met you, like I said, like you were a guiding light for me. You said the right things. You were a safe space for me even though you didn't recognize yourself as that because you are you were so used to not being the safe space for people. Yeah, I've always been the... the You've always been like the gasoline, the fire. Yep. The, yeah, hey, I totally... I want to do bad things. Let me go yeah, to the next house. He'll go to exactly. do this with me. Well, being yeah. good was boring. And I think that that's something that like we identified in our stories where I was like, this person that I'm telling you about, I feel weird telling these stories because I don't want you to think that I'm actually this person or I'm capable of making these decisions again Yeah, because I'm not not this person. And I would never do that. I'm actually mortified at what I've found back there. It's, it's funny because my wife and her sister, when we talk about that, it's like, oh, that's old Nick. Like yeah, this, everyone just knows it. We have old Nick and then we have new Nick. Yes. So it's, I it's have the same, which I mean, when I met my husband, I wasn't anything that even I told you about, you know, more stories about old shy than Landon does. Because Landon got, like, his foot in the door, and he's like, I don't really have to know any of this. I'm yeah. fine. Like, this isn't you anymore. You'll never do this again. I don't have to worry. I was like, that's great. Well, then when you get That's into like therapy thing. and trauma, well, I will, I was so excited to run away. Like I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, I get to have a new name. I get to have a new, I can be a whole new person. I can finally break away from this identity that one, I messed up on, but two, like, I don't want to be associated with that behavior anymore. I don't want to meet somebody and be like, oh, I remember how you used to be, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> know cause I'm I, like, I remember too. When I talk to I'm friends, mortified. I haven't talked in a while. They're like, oh, he's still doing this i'm like no no <laughs> not even the same person no I, but it's like you, you might as well just reintroduce yourself yeah, and that that's where i get to build a point. such a strong foundation for you to stand on i guess is at least in my experiences it's um anytime i can or negatives come along in my life i'm like i've been there i've been there i We're get cool. it yeah yeah have a good one yeah or like when bad things come away i'm like yeah 
probably would hung out with you later, but yeah. Not oh, for me. I found that especially when I got to Wichita. Cause when I got to Wichita, like my life was still already planned out. Like I'm going to work this job. He's going to do this. Our engagement's coming up soon. We're going to get married. We'll start to have kids, yada, yada, yada. Like it was planned out. And I started meeting these people and I would be like, if I were fucking 22, I know, I know what I'd be doing with yep. you. And Oh yeah. If you would have met me at this age. Yeah. So like I, I was this evolved person in these people's lives and I knew where they were at and I loved them where they were at and I was honestly like kind of envious where they were at too because with knowing that you can't go back like yeah. you don't get to go to the, back to the past not only do you not get to relive it but you don't get to redo it so I was like you should enjoy where you're at right now because when I was doing the shit that you were doing I didn't get to have as much fun as you're making it look like I was in yep. hell. I was not partying to have fun. I was running from something. I was hiding from something and I was suppressing something over and over and over. Even though I was still like a dark, a dark safe space at the time for these people that wanted to do all of these things. But again, going so far away from that person, like I know that you struggle telling people certain parts of your story because you're like, this isn't me. Yeah. This is no, the I kind old, of freeze up like talking about it too. And even when I like get flashbacks in my head of things I used to do and how I used to be, I'm like, fuck. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. How can I tell them that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah there is kind I mean, of it's, like it's, I'm a monster um, aspect. I wouldn't say it. it's embarrassing to me. It's like I accept it 100%. It was me. If I could go back, I wouldn't have changed it. Like if I could go back, I probably would have done more knowing I would have survived it. But it's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> so like I pushed the limits as much as I could. But it's. I don't know. It made me who I was today. And that's. I'm extremely happy with what I am today and who I am today and what I've made in my life. But yeah, going back, I don't even know where to start. Um. <clears throat> did the struggle with the masculine and feminine aspect in you, did that cater to your um, like addictions? I don't know. Um, as a kid, so I was primarily raised by women. Mm -hmm. I mean... My father. But were they broken feminines? Is that why you struggled? Like, I don't mean to call anybody out, yeah, but if, no, you, yeah, no, if you can recognize I mean, their broken feminines, so it's, um, it's always they're been training you to be broken. The three most important women in my life, besides my wife, like it's, I guess that's. She's the oldest. Doesn't ultimate. need to be said, yeah. yeah. But, but it was my grandmother on my mom's side, my mom's mom, my mom, and then my mom's sister. And uh, so my grandmother had always been in, I guess, controlling relationships with males and then my mom had always been in you know abusive relationship with males and then my aunt's a lesbian so it was I, I learned a lot from her but yeah so the masculinity side to me or I guess my perception of it at the time was yeah you know you're in control act like this treat women like this I'm like no I can't do that so I, I really struggled trying to find my masculine voice a lot just because so, you knew so the female representations that you saw were be controlled by men absolutely yeah and so you rebelled saying i will not be that man 100 percent, right. even though that's the only yeah. thing that you knew right so it's like yeah the blueprint it's like you know know what to do but i know i don't want to do that I and know, i know i don't, I don't want, do want anyone to feel like that mm -hmm. because of me so mm -hmm. i guess but you also observe like how your mom acted how you got to see this treatment makes this person act this way absolutely and yeah. it's all defense mechanisms i feel like and i don't think you can blame somebody for reacting to a situation the way that they reacted to it. Um, 
Well, you brought something up earlier before we hit record where we were talking about like, how did you personally like forgive that person for the, for those things? Mm -hmm. And you said, I already knew that something bad had happened to them for them to pass that along to me. So So for me to give that same thing back to them, like it's, it's not going to do anything. 100%. Yeah. It was my mother's ex-husband and, uh, he was always just a dickhead. I mean, he was very abusive. Um, drank a lot and there was a moment you know that he he did great things like mm-hmm. i could see the light in him 100 percent of the time but after he started going through some serious things and him and my mom were going through therapy whatever stuff started coming up that had happened in his life and i remember i wasn't even talking about the time i'd pretty much written him off in my life but um my forgiveness to him is i called him i knew his phone number i called him i knew when gonna answer and i just left the voicemail like pretty much telling him like i can't help but love you you know, I know you're a bad person. I know you've done this, but I still love you in the end of it. So, and I guess that's really what helped me heal from that. I don't know if it's that moment, but just building that mindset and feeding that energy that. Do you consider it unconditional love that helped you in that situation? In I don't know if I unconditionally loved him. I mean. But I, how I, do you conditionally, consistently love somebody in that situation? Yeah. Like when I think of like the highest form of love that would save anybody, it's unconditional. Yeah. It's the reason that, you know, I've been hurt by friends and family and they're like, I don't know why I do this to you. And I'm like, I don't know why I, it doesn't I affect I me. It, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Because I, I stand up for myself. I set boundaries that I can, but you still have, you know, those people that come into your life to help hinder or hurt. And then they'll come back. Like people learn their lessons is kind of what I think. And it's yeah. just like, you'll have those vulnerable conversations where it's like, why do we do that to each other? Well, I don't like, know, but it like must he was be in a constant circle of what was happening to him. And then he put it onto me. And then I feel like I make the choice, continue that circle or, or stop right there. Like, so break it. Yeah. So break it right there. Yeah. And then, so I don't know, at least from my point of view or whatever, energy was passed on to me. I did not continue into that circle. I'd stopped it right there. Did you ever have a fear that you couldn't stop that cycle? No, not once. Yeah. Cause I knew I could never, you could never I do could those never do things that. in general. Yeah. So I don't know if that's, I guess was my biggest tool in it. Mm-hmm. And, maybe, and maybe I don't know what the other side of that is. Like, I don't know if there's somebody like I, if I was in that position and I could say, Oh, wow, I want to do that. Like, well, I, don't, I wouldn't know, have no idea how I would have reacted to it. So many times. Um, I mean, that's just, that's just how it works. Generational cycles continue. You know, like you were saying, it happened to him, happened to you, you know, and that generational cycles. And in my family, it's true. Like, abandonment is our generational oh, cycle. Huge abandonment issues right here, buddy. <laughs> yeah, like, and there's, and it's not just that, like, you know, alcoholism, whatever the case may be, those generational cycles continue, 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 continue. And it's not that, like, somebody goes, oh, I was abandoned. I can never do that to somebody else. They just do, you know, and so... And, it, and sometimes it's just not even a thought of, am I going to abandon? Am I not going to abandon? Or even if they think that really hurt me, I not, I'll never do that, but then they do. And, um, you know, it's just, it's that DNA that it just kind of, it just goes. And so, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of power in not passing that on. But also, there's a lot of people who won't have children because I don't know that I can't do that. Not that, um, you know, not necessarily talking about your situation particularly, but I don't, I, you know, I never, I never was shown how to be a good parent. 
So I don't know that I can be a good parent, and I don't want to pass that on. They just automatically think they're going to be a bad parent. And I think that's what his biggest struggle was, too, is you try so hard to not become what you don't want to become. You end up becoming it, yeah. So you're fighting so hard against it that it ends up just engulfing you. So Yeah. But it's like at the end of the day, I I don't blame him for that. I don't harbor any ill feeling towards him for it. It's, yeah, you did a lot of bad shit, but you're not here anymore. Yeah. I mean... (laughs) So do you, do I hold that in and keep like your negative energy here or do I just let release it, it? Yeah. Let yeah. it go. Mm-hmm. Well, you always have to wonder which in more hard, gruesome topics, it's, yeah. it's not, it's not the first thing you want to go to and you're like, well, everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like that's, pr- that's not where you start with well, no, your absolutely. level of compassion. You watch your mom, you know, getting beat up. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah we deserve yeah. this right we, now. Yeah, <laughs> karma. We, we earned this one. Yes. Yeah. This is in our soul contract. Come like, look at this lesson we're about to learn everybody. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like that's, that's not it's how. not how it feels in the moment. How, well, it's not how the world's made. Like if it was, we'd all just be in like weird little like museum cubicles. Mm-hmm. And we're like, this is domestic violence. Yeah. <laughs> this is drug abuse. <laughs> this is success. You know, stuff like that. But, okay, so I'm trying to make sure that I don't jump around too much, but I feel like that's... Like, I feel like that's out the window. I feel like we're jumping right now. Yeah, but that's, I feel I feel good. like we just have like short little stories where we're like, okay, so let's te- let's talk about like a very humbling experience in your life, especially because you're such a big man. So Jeez, you, yeah, so you um, always wanted to be in the center of attention. Anyways, you were like, there was just this neediness. Yeah, I was all that, the life of the party until I sober up. Yeah. I guess is the yeah the end of it. But I ended up getting in a fight in uh, downtown Hawaii. Which you would assume anytime you went into a fight, like the other dude is automatically screwed because yeah. of your stature. So there's that ego, that toxic masculinity. Of, Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that like, was me. Ahead, I was drunk leaving here. the bar. My friend was on my back. She, I just um, imagine this like supremely cocky, big dude. Like, I don't know the Nick that, that we're referencing. That was 100% me. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, but when I picture him, I'm like, I am scared of you yeah. if I would have met you in a bar. But, um, yeah. So anyways, we're walking, leaving the bar and, um... Yeah, it's hard to recall. So she's on my back, and then there's, like, these guys approaching, group of three. Fuck you guys. Whatever. Come over here. <laughs> and then... I can take three. That's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, seriously. 100%. I know how cocky it is when but, I'm um, watching it. They ended up pushing her. Like, he... She, there was a girl with him too, and she was like running around with the girl. She was she could she was in no state. Like, I was like, fucking... We left because she, I needed to get her out of there. Yeah. And then... I think that's why we left, actually. But regardless, she was on my back. I was carrying her. And then uh, she was talking crap to the girl or whatever. And the guy punches me. I'm like, all right, we're going to do this. And then they threw her off of me. And she fell down and cracked her head. And the ending culmination was ended up with me trying to fight, you know, a bunch of people. And so it ended up with me on the ground getting stomped out. And I dislocated my fractured two mandibular fractures in the top right and the probably near middle so i had a loose hanging jaw oh my god but, uh, yeah still but i've yeah, heard the story five times and being I'm in like, the hospital oh. with that was it's like okay my body can break but i am mortal yeah because and then after that you know i'm in the hospital for a week i was in the hospital for a week just um letting the bruising my chest area was so bruised up from being stomped out my 
face was so bruised up from being stomped out. Do you think out. they were trying to kill you? 100%, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. No doubt in my mind. And there's Were their, they ever caught? Uh, so one of the guys was caught and then put on trial or whatever. And that's another thing. Uh, so they're like, you want to go and same thing? I'm like, no, I don't. Like, that's not that. Uh, maybe before I would have gotten my ass kicked and that was somebody else getting their ass kicked. And then, I, uh, yeah, I'll go in. I definitely want to see you go down. But it was, no, I'm, I don't want to be there for it. Or did you just and I wasn't feel even over part it? Of it? Yeah, I was just yeah. past it. So, I mean, because I was in the hospital, obviously, for a week, just waiting for the swelling to go down before they could do the surgery. And then they actually did the surgery, reconstructed the jaw back together, and then my mouth was wired shut for three months. And that's one of the shittiest things in the world. I would one recommend of the most it. humbling experiences 100% you could ever have in your life. Definitely, because not only, I mean, I learned how to talk with my teeth closed, uh-huh. but I was just such a boisterous person. Like, okay, now my, <laughs> I got my ass kicked. I got stomped out and now I can't even really talk. Mm-hmm. So it was after being in the hospital after that was crazy too. Cause it's like, you were in there for a week. They're giving you all this morphine and whatever. And then the doctor does the surgery, wires your jaw shut. And then he pulled back on pain medication. It's like, you can't really have the pain medication at this point. It's going to fuck things up. Yeah. So then I'm in the hospital for another week with my jaw wired shut, waiting for this thing to recover like literally crying myself to sleep every night because I can't, I'm in so much pain. I'm like recalling everything in my life, what was going on. Oh, so you just had like a big introspection trip too. Yep. What am I doing? So that was a big humbling experience. Do you think if that didn't happen though that like, do you think you would have changed into the person you are today? I don't know. Probably, uh, it's hard to answer that question, but probably not. Well, did that happen or did... You know, like dying really quick and coming back. That no, that, that's a, that's another one to get into. But that, and even after that, like I still felt that way, but I didn't act that way. It's mm-hmm. so like the energy, was, the, the energy was still definitely I there. Totally get but that. But it's though. like it's like. But you have oh. like you have those epiphanies, and I I think it is like the universe planting seeds because I, I obviously didn't get my ass stomped out like you did, and like have. That's not my story. Yeah. But when you bring up, like, you have those moments, like, you want to think it, but you're not acting it. Like, there's your integration process right. is off. But you know you, like, this is what you want to be. This is the way you want to go. But then you go. It's like getting out of rehab. Yeah. Getting out of rehab and going back into your same life. It's a lot of fucking work. It's a well, lot absolutely. of stuff to clean and You can't up. really get, you can't heal yourself in the environment you got sick in, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But even after that happened, I started, I used to be a shoot first escalator person. And then after that. I started, okay, this is happening. <laughs> Why is this happening? Yeah. Well, we were offered opportunities to be enlightened, right? And then we kind of come back into our 3D selves, and then we kind of level up in 3D and level up in 3D in phases. And especially, you know, someone like you who's like, I am I am man, hear me, hear me roar. Yeah. You know, you kind of, you know, you can't just be like, hey, read this book. And all of a sudden your world changes. Like you kind of have to get stomped out. You got to get knocked down. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's, that's what hot. it took. Cool. Right. Like I'm, I'm, I welcome it. But it was a huge learning process for me. Mm-hmm. I, again, just when I think of being as big as you are, if me putting myself in your shoes, I 100% would be that guy that was like, yeah, like I'm invincible. Nobody can yeah. mess me. Well, Look like, how for big the most I am. part, I can literally pick people up and throw them. You know, yeah, but. Right. yeah, you can. So, uh, yeah, from an evolutionary standpoint, it saved your life in a weird way. 
Yeah. But I also like, I do wonder of the karma of the other people. Like you, you were stepping on somebody's face with the intention to make yeah, them so not I know, breathe anymore. I don't know what happened to, I know what right. happened to one of them and I still know his name. I'll never forget his name. I'll never forget his face. Mm-hmm. And it's not like one of the things that haunts me. It's just like you're. I'll always like, remember that. that because happened. he was caught. Yeah, and yeah absolutely. Thing, yeah. And I don't think it was actually him that did it. Um, I think he's the one that took the fall for it. Yeah. Cause I mean, obviously there's multiple yeah, people right. around there. So it's like, what are you going to, you can't charge all of them. But it's, um, everyone in Hawaii knows everybody. Yeah. So once I got his name, you know, I've started feeling out like, I'll fucking, I can get this guy. Mm-hmm. So I started asking my cousins, asking around, they're like, yeah, we know where he lives. We know who his family is. What do you want? What oh, do you want to no, do? When they start asking those questions. Yeah, I'm like, no, like, no, I don't want anything to happen to him. But it turns out he was uh, put into a facility, prison, not prison, whatever jail facility that was there. And, um. I guess I had a family ties in there or something. I don't know. Someone told me that something happened to him while he was in there. But regardless, he got out on no charges were put against him because Hawaii has like this three chance thing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm going to be better. So hopefully he was better in the end. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I would I would assume. I, I hope there's a happy ending for everybody, but I don't know what happened yeah. to him. So. Well, you don't want to wish bad on anybody. Yeah. And that's what I've right. always liked about you is like even if someone is, you know, kicking your face in yeah. you're like i i still rooting for you bud yeah well it's like i feel it like i want to fucking come at you but yeah but at the end what's like, the point? you have to like, look past if that if i did to you what you did to me now i know that you're feeling what i felt when that happened to me and i that i guess that hurts more than yeah. the actual physical pain mm-hmm. there was a post i put out on facebook a while back about um i'm over the karma thing right like I don't want anyone to feel like I felt like I hope you never feel what you made me feel. Yeah. I send you love. I send you light. I send you healing because you don't need to go through what you put me through. I want you to be better. I want you to move on. I want you to be happy. And you know what? I don't want you to be part of me, but go live. Yeah. And what's yeah. like we were talking about earlier. It's like when someone hurts me emotionally or physically, I'm like, what hurt you to do that to me? Mm-hmm. And right. that's just constantly what cycles in my head when I, <laughs> start planning revenge or whatever yeah yeah because you're you're gonna have those feelings and I um you just made me think of something um I I had a scenario where someone just completely blindsided me with stuff that I just didn't even expect and um I remember like my old self like talking to me like do what you have to yep. to win, you know, like that <laughs> moment. And then I, like, I remember like my new self coming in and I was very, very meditated at the time is what I think. Like, I remember <laughs> if like, I really wasn't on my game at the time, I think I would have reacted completely different. Um, and the thing that stopped me was like, I always see everyone's like inner child, no mm-hmm. matter wh- how old they are, how, far past me I'm like the way that they talk will like pull a line to their inner child and I'll understand what happened to them what hurt them at the time and that's why they're doing this to me Mm -hmm. and maybe something in like their present life like I've triggered something in them so like when this situation happened I still like this is the one that I go back to in my mind that I'm still surprised that I acted so correct because I kind of have no idea why it happened in the first place isn't awesome when that happens yeah I'm like like, I I don't know how I I did this but well I I didn't know why (laughs) this drama was coming to my front door the way that it was because Mm -hmm. I mean I the first person to be like oh yeah I messed it up that's why they're coming after me Mm -hmm. but this person was coming after me and I just did not understand from 
any viewpoint the way I was I just really don't understand it and I just wanted it to go away because it was hurting somebody that I cared about that was like in the middle of it yeah so I just remember feeling a overwhelming responsibility to ground the negative energy and like consistently send unconditional love back I was like Mm -hmm. this person is acting like a child Mm -hmm. so what happened to you when you were a child but then like there'd be a part of me that I was like this is extremely pathetic to go after an innocent human being so then I felt like justified in like my protector voice and there Mm -hmm. would be times where I was like I'm gonna go after this person because I'm justified in my innocence to protect myself and then Mm -hmm. I'm like I have nothing to prove I have nothing to protect like I have to surrender to this and let it go. Mm-hmm. And it was really, really big of me to do that, given, you know, the circumstances that I was in. But um, I brought that up for no reason that I can think that connect it now yeah. back to what we were talking <laughs> about. Um, I guess it's just like having the over, like the connection to your over soul and like mm-hmm. understanding, like when those people come to you and do that, mm-hmm. you're like, oh God, am I going to be like, I know too much to not act right. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what I wanted to clear up in it. Yeah. And any conversation that I've had with him, whether when I was getting to know him or when we worked together, he always had this insight that I don't think he even knew that he talked from. And it was always directly from his experience. Mm-hmm. And he's always been able to like really see people where they are immediately. Like mm-hmm. it's just like a download that he'll get. Mm-hmm. We would know the guests, the guest check that we were going to discount when they walked in the door together. Mm-hmm. You do like door <laughs> greets and you're like, yeah. Hey, I'm going to go check this table like immediately when they sit down. Cause I can already tell that they're just going to be a pain in the butt mm-hmm. and it's not even on us. It's just the way that they are. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed like running the floor with him because I felt that we had less guest relations problems when it was him and I because we intuitively know where the plate was going to drop before it was going to drop. When that was always my favorite part, walking away from people that are pissed off. It's like I would walk up a table and they're extremely mad. I'm like, can I just sit down with you real quick? Oh, because I know that I can flip it. Eating out of your hand and smiling with you. It's Mm -hmm. See, and that's why I feel like it was a really big training ground for me. Like I had... I remember when I dropped out of college, I felt immediately like I was already going to be behind in life, but I went out into the actual real world, got a real job and worked with the real people of the real world while all of my friends were still getting drunk in college, getting money from their parents, like Mm -hmm. maybe having a job, but you know, Mm -hmm. so like this weird, like, oh, I'm so behind on society. I'm so behind because I dropped out of college. I've been working in the workforce with these people for years. And then, yeah, you might get a college degree. You might go find out where you're living. You might go get your first job. Um, But this whole time that I thought I was behind, I actually realized like my path was supposed to go through this industry because there's no other industry that you're going to learn people better, faster, and more about yourself than in that. It's fast paced. If you don't have core values, they'll give them to you. Like all the things that I learned in managing now, like I'm glad it's over with and I don't have to do it. And I hate saying that to you because I know you're still managing people, (laughs) but like, I want you to know, like there will be a day where you're not doing it anymore. And you'll remember, like the only thing you really remember are the good times that people impacted you or you impacted people. Cause I have so many stories of people that I'm like, that's, that's why I was there. You know, like you needed to be the manager that night when that person like thought they were having a bad steak, but they were just having a bad life <laughs> and they got to talk to you, you know, like yeah. you get to, you do get to be that beacon of light for somebody. You just don't even see that you're the vessel that the divine's using at that time. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, it's so fast paced that I think this is just what I'm done. <laughs> I'm just fixing this patch. I didn't mean to 
Yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. So we broke our jaw. Okay, but I really want to hear... The overdose story. Yeah, so (laughs) the over... Because the overdose, I'm like... There's so many moments where it's like, I need to change. I need to change. I need to change. This isn't working. This isn't working. And you're still like, I can push it further. Oh, absolutely. So, I can always push it further. Yeah. Was the overdosing the furthest push? I think so. I mean, yeah. no, obviously, yeah. You don't come back from that. Yeah. Except you did. But um, yeah, I was in a huge cycle of doing a lot of drugs. And then I started mixing drugs cocky just like i can well, do it's this like, yeah, I, absolutely. Can do I can this. do this i can put this in, in my arm and be fine with it and then yeah i did too much were you like excited that you finally overdosed no you weren't no it was um, a brutal because i mean you know your body you know your body like you stub your toe you know okay cool I'm, i can heal this this will be fine or you know fuck i gotta go to the doctor for this one mm-hmm. but it's like and from doing drugs like oh yeah no i'm i'm this high and, and and the times when i would do too much or um over medicate myself i guess the correct term i could always tell myself you're too high you yeah. never felt this way before it's gonna stop but at that time when that one happened i was like no it's just the fucking end yeah <laughs> like, this is fucking done this was way too much you're going down and i went down and I don't know. There's always a. Did you have an out of body experience? No, no, no. There's you always. Just like, oh, I remember then, this so it's now. Like, it's like you maybe, were telling it's me like, what it's you like, saw. Did I even die or did I even overdose? But it's one of those things. It's like everyone. There's always these glamorous stories. Like, oh yeah, you know, I died one time and then saw myself float away and saw this town. It's like, no, I didn't. I saw fucking black. Yeah, you just saw nothing. <laughs> there was nothing I remember there, yeah. that right. Oh my gosh, so I'm having great flashbacks. With yeah, you. no, but it's um. Yeah, there's a, you there's always hear those nothing. stories on like the paranormal channels or whatever you're listening to. It's like, oh yeah, you know, my dad had this beautiful out of body experience. My whole life flashed before my eyes. I walked down this nice tunnel. It's like I didn't. And then they're like, you have to go back. You're yeah, not you done to, you're yet. Not, not here yet. It's like no, I fucking went black. <laughs> I went black, and that was and it. And then I woke up, and it's and you were still like so. When you woke up, did they like shove? A, I don't know. You don't. You don't know don't any recall. of that. Yeah. How long were you out before you found out that you I had actually recall. overdosed? Um, I was with people I didn't know at the time. Oh, okay. So, I, I mean, at least they were, I woke up to nobody around me except paramedics. So it's. Oh, so it was one of those things where you OD'd, everybody yeah, got the fuck out of there. Which was the cool. I mean, because usually they'll let you die and I would have done you in, a in that time. Yeah, but yeah. at least you guys had the fucking common courtesy to do that. But yeah. And then. Well, drug friends and real friends are something that you got to find out the hard yeah, way. Yeah, but I remember, oh, fuck, this is such a cloudy memory for me because it's. I don't know if I did so much to block it out, but I the only thing I really remember from it is sitting down on my couch afterwards in like almost a fetal position and looking straight forward. And I guess that was my pulling everything back together moment. Because it's like, yeah, you got your ass kicked. Your fucking body got broke. Yeah. And then. And then your you body proved you again that you're not immortal. Yeah. And then it's like, well, it's death of the body. Is this the death of the mind? I don't know. But from that is when I really started going into looking at metaphysical things and spiritual things because it was, I wasn't happy knowing that <laughs> black is all that's there, you know? Oh, and what you saw at the time. So did you just think that that is what everybody experienced or did you think it was like know. the coal in your stocking? 
I, I, yeah, maybe. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I, you're I, like, hey, that's the, that's probably a really good way to put it. I remember, yeah. I remember the conversation when you're like, yeah, I died. And I, and there was a girl there and she was like, what did you see? And you looked at her and you went, nothing. nothing yeah. There was nothing There's there. Not shit and, there. And then they were like, oh, well, I've heard this and I've heard this. And you're like, my experience. So there, I never even thought about that black. way. Yeah, maybe that was my lump of coal. Like, hey, you fucker. That's, that's how you want to I mean, die. That's, here you go. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. Like, that's the only way I can think about it because you're right. There's so many stories out there where people have these amazing out-of-body experiences george nori is one of them he had one when he was yeah. younger and that's kind and of I'm why definitely he does not what discounting. he does like i'm sure people go through that but oh yeah but for, me, but for so, yeah. you it's like you were such shit you don't even get a life review no yeah you, you don't know get you anything you just that fucking die <laughs> and then you just get all black which again like you came back so who's to say you're in like some weird trippy state where you're like going so fast that you yeah. don't get to see shit you know, because like speaking from a soul contract perspective, like you're writing your soul contract. You're like, I'm going to OD at 26. <laughs> but no, after and that, I, I, got, OD, I got extremely obsessed with the flower life and sacred geometry. I mean, I began drawing it. It was all over my wall, pictures all over my that? wall. I have no idea. Mm. Um, something to look into later. Some, maybe something to look into later. But yeah, when I remember I was I can't remember what I was watching, but I saw it and it really related to me. And I was like, what is this? So I started like digging into it. And yeah, it's when I found out about sacred geometry and all the shapes. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to Walmart. I'm buying a compass. I'm buying a <laughs> I'm protractor. Built, I'm, I'm buying a fucking my own flowers. pencil. Yeah. And I, then I <laughs> started drawing, you know, the dodecahedron, the tetrahedron, everything in my wall, mm-hmm. like as they progressed. So you had the, what is the first one? I had the, the it started off with the flower alive, obviously the circle. And then I had the. The seed alive, the flower of life. Yes, the, absolutely. Is this the, the Merkaba and the Tetris? Hundred percent. Yeah, that one too. So, and even when you look okay. at the Kabbalah or what the Kabbalah, the Jewish text, the Tree of Life or whatever, yeah, that's a legit. You can take that mm-hmm. shape and put it right into the flower life, and mm-hmm. it fits in there. But no, I started drawing the triangle. It's like I don't know the Merkaba. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then I did the star, and then the. Um, Damn it. Did you do the overlays like of it before the Merkaba or did you do um, the masculine and feminine combined? Do you remember That's, that? I don't know. Ooh. I mean, I just started drawing them and then I started coloring them. But the ones that were like that, mm-hmm. I picked <laughs> purple and um, blue were the two colors I picked. Those have always been my, <laughs> two, favorite, yeah, always yeah. my two favorite colors. That's so It's funny. ours too. So yeah. the Serafina line that I just put out has all kinds of sacred geometry and my main colors are purple and blue. And I don't know why. It just seems like everything I design everything. is purple and blue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with the color purple. I mean, yeah. it's even. It's in the shirt that you're wearing, I'm wearing right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And thank you for wearing tie-dye. Purple rain. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if it goes that far into purple, but it's, yeah, it's purple. Has always been, I've always been obsessed with the color purple. I've always seen the color purple. So do you know um, what the violet light is? No. Okay. Oh, the violet flame. Oh, the violet flame. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the violet flame is, I always try to figure out how to explain this properly. And I St. Germain. I don't, well, he operates from it and so does Kuan Yin. So, you mm-hmm. know, like all the chakra colors are associated with feelings, vibrations, yep. and yep. all of that. So all of like the dimensions are color coded in the same ones. And the violet flame is purple, which is what like two people that I've interviewed you and Chantel, they see purple, they operate from purple and, um, like her aura photography was blue, white, and purple. So it's usually said if those colors come to you in meditation, um, that you work with entities who operate from that dimension and it is the highest form of love. It is unconditional love and a frequency 
Jesus, Mary Magdalene, St. Germain, all of these like very powerful life-changing characters that hit earth one time or another operate from there. So when you consistently like, it's purple, it's purple, it's purple. Even when you were in like the dark format of the, you know, like you entered spirituality in kind of like a dark format, whether it was the statue, the Sumerian text, like all of this stuff, most people start off with like, you know, chakras, crystals, and meditation, you know, like that's kind of the yeah, which I, I Western up, starter kit. It ended up coming to me like through after all that, but. I'm good. I'm just checking the levels, make sure it looks good. Um, Okay. So I brought that up because the one thing that I have noticed from knowing you is I don't think you know how powerful you are you just come up against this power and you're like i am not knowledgeable enough to know how to use this yeah probably but yeah but then you consistently like the purple um when i tried to like put my hands on someone to give them a massage or something one time i was like whoa like i can feel your energy <laughs> yeah. i can feel all of that um so when you consistently say purple i'm like dude you should really check out and see if anything about the violet flame resonates with you yeah because i do believe that like i know you're in like a stagnant like human feeling point where it's not necessarily things are mundane because you're getting ready to have you know your second kid but there is like a lot of moving pieces going around and you're still in this um observational standpoint about it where you're like yeah am I'm supposed to be doing this, right? Like, is there anything else I'm supposed to be when doing? When I feel like oblivious, it's like <laughs> the best word to describe me. Yeah. And other people I know is the same thing as well. Like, I'm just yeah, very oblivious to what goes on around me. Yeah. yeah. You could be in a house on fire and you're like, mm, toasty. This is fine, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I totally get that. I also think that that has to do with, like, the work that you're in and you've been in for a long time. Like, you just know, like, whether this place is burning or not, I don't get to leave. I have to make sure that it doesn't burn down. So that will eventually like flood into any other facet of your personality as well. So how do you like, um, how would I go about that? Uh, what do you mean? Like trying not to have that come into um, your personality? Or I guess accepting (laughs) what's going on around me. I don't know. Maybe that is my biggest struggle with spirituality. Like I've always looked into it. And been, you know, and captivated by it and let it flow through me. But I've never, I feel like I've always just scratched the surface. Yeah. And then walked away, if that makes sense. So you have just problems with integrating it is what I would say from my observation. I've been there and I understand that because I understand the picking it up and walking away or even like tucking it really close to your chest. And like you wait for somebody else to open up first and then you're like, Hey, look at my cards. Yeah. And they're like, oh my God. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I know that that's kind of where we were too. Like, not just from like learning Bubba's, but I remember there were just a few like opening conversations that it's like, all right, okay, I can talk to you about yeah. this stuff. And you're like, you know the terminology. And I guess I don't feel like uh, pushing people's hands. Like, I feel like if someone needs help or needs something, like, they'll come to me. Well, and I think it's perfectly fine to be that uh, presence or that like point of observation. Do you think it comes from a place of fear of judgment or just? I don't um, know. Maybe, maybe some part. Absolutely. I mean, it's mm-hmm. there's so many moving parts to it, but it's. I don't know when. When I guess when someone comes to me and needs help, like yeah, I'm right there for you. I got you. Mm-hmm. But it, when it comes to me, like reaching out, like 
I know you need help, mm-hmm. but I will not help you until you come to me. You know what yeah. I mean? No, I'm, I'm that kind of person too. I'm, I'm definitely like a sit back and I'll be here for you, but I'm not going to come and push you towards Yeah. You. And like mm-hmm. how you were saying, knowing how powerful you are, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm just a regular guy. <laughs> Do you ever Yeah, just I mean, sit- I think we're all just like regular people, yeah. but I think we're so used to just thinking we're only humans that we even like we even take the spirit out of ourselves. Yep. Like there there can't be any form of magic in anything to us at all because we are so human. And when you only listen to that part of yourself over and over and over, like I just remember being there like I know that there's like something, like there's some purpose, there's some healing, there's some servitude to my place here on earth. What, what is it? How do I actually channel or transmute this energy properly? Cause you already, you already know you can feel it coming out of your hands. Yeah. Like the experiences that you've had in the experiences that you've had are actually really advanced experiences. So you would have to assume that just through whether it be the, you know, the statue, the reoccurring dream, like stuff like that really wouldn't go to a beginner or like a new baby soul, so to speak. So yeah. like, there's no way that they would even, they would just, you know well, what I'm saying? I guess I feel it, like if I could do it, <laughs> sing it in my head, it's like, Hey, you can handle this. Yeah. You know, I you, mean, you, know how to you hold have this. to know that like when you came in that you were evolved and you didn't like, if you look at all of the lessons that you had to learn, which this is what I've just picked up from being, being in the healing community is they, they have the most atrocious stories of stuff that they've went through. It's not like, Oh, my grandma died when I was 10 and she was my best friend or no, this is like some sick sadistic. How did you overcome that? How do you still want to help humanity? How do you still want to live type stories? And they, they're so healed that they know how to tell the story. They know how to tell the healing of it. And they know, they know their purpose here. And I've noticed that most people who have all these stories are supposed to be healers and are supposed to take those experiences and that karma. And they're supposed to go and help humanity with it. Yeah. I think I told you about it. Um, the lady, my ex-girlfriend's mother, she told me a lot of things. And one of the things that she told me that's always stuck with me is she's like, you're going to help a lot of people one day and you'll write a book. And it's like, very cool. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I guess, I guess well, I'm not ready for write it. A book. Yeah. They, yeah. Plant, they plant <laughs> seeds. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I feel like there's, I don't know, maybe I'm not there yet. Well, and that's fine. The, the great thing about like awakening and spiritual journey is like, it's it's one of those things that like the seed gets planted and the door opens and it never shuts. Even if it goes quiet, it's never shut. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you're always going to it's keep It's like growing. a long lost love that mm-hmm. like you think you can like, you're like, okay, it's done. Thank you mm-hmm. so much. Thank you for your time. Like, I appreciate you. I love you. But now it's time to move on. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you're going through your life. You're going through the motions or whatever. And this love, this thing that you can't let go of that you're kind of not supposed to in a way comes back. And it's just like, are you ready now? Like, yeah. do, mm-hmm. can you take this information now? Like mm-hmm. the breadcrumbs from the universe and everybody's stories are always my favorite details that I love to pull apart because when you're, you're not aware of like synchronicities, you know, as much as you are after being awake, um, you're, you're too busy questioning it and doubting yourself over and is that possible? I don't know. Could that be possible? I don't know. Did I really see that? (laughs) Is that really possible? You know, and you, it's your own like cycle that you're going through. I'm glad that I had Desiree to like 
ask stuff to. Yeah, and I feel like that's kind of where I'm at too. It's like uh, I had friends in Texas that I could talk to about those things. You know, there was, you know, holistic shops I could go to and talk with those people. There was, you know, a place I would buy my crystals from and everything. And then I'm in Kansas now. It's, I don't know. The, the, it feels still kind of underground. Like there are so many places that I could plug right now that are really doing the work to get Wichita to where it needs to be. But like if you, Desiree said it perfectly, if you walk up and down the street, they're still going to, you know, Western medicine and doctors and chronic diseases and pharmaceuticals versus, um, proper diet, energy management, Reiki and positive affirmations. See, and then with my anxiety, that's another thing I've attacked it from left brain so much. I've gone mm-hmm. through medicine. I've gone through this. I've taken all these antidepressants. I've been on all these other pills, all this other shit. And it, when it's really just about energy management. Yeah, absolutely. Panic attacks. Management. Yeah, absolutely. Panic attacks. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, that's something I would definitely look into doing, but I don't, I don't know where to start. You know? Well, the thing mm-hmm. is I've noticed, um, they gave me antidepressants when I was like 19 and I think they, you know, they were like, one, if this makes you feel suicidal, just go to the ER and we'll put you in the mental institution for a few days. Yeah, right, like, yeah. I totally <laughs> want to do that. And then the next time they gave me medicine, they said, you know, the last time we prescribed this to someone, it just kind of made them go insane for a few days. So again, if you feel like killing right. yourself or anybody else, and I'm like, why is that just a normal tagline on quote unquote mm-hmm. medicine? Mm-hmm. So I, when I realized that it was something to do like more spiritual than it could have ever been done with do I really have depression? Is this just a weird transitional time in my life where I just literally have no idea what to do? Um, I felt comforted by the fact that the spiritual stuff was there and that was the issue because those, those pills, like they still suppressed something in me that was trying to get made for you. Yeah. Like they're, it was still suppressing something. And I think, I mean, besides the weird, things that happened to me when I was on them. I remember studying because they're like, oh, it'll take like three weeks for it to work. So they were showing like how the neurons in your brain are pulling apart. And that's why you start feeling crazy for a couple weeks because you don't have any proper pathways. But then this medicine is reconstructing these pathways technically for you. That's dangerous, I feel like. Well, that's what all the medication does. So you get to go and live your daily life. And as long, no, I guess if you want to go talk to your therapist, you can, but just take this pill. And when you get into the spiritual aspect of it, you are with a notebook introspecting the darkest parts of yourself that you don't even want to admit that are a part of you. You don't want to admit that you hurt your family that bad, your friends that bad. The severe form of work that you actually have to do to go back to find yourself is so hard. It's so tasking. And it actually takes like your normal 3D world and completely flips it upside down. And if I hadn't already gone through, you know, multiple tower moments like that instead where I am today... I don't know if the sh- the sleep Cheyenne from 2019 can honestly say that I would have the guts to go through all of the spiritual warfare that I've gone through oh, just yeah. with myself. So I understand where you are when you're like, I know I'm supposed to do this. I know I'm interested in this, but how do you start? And it's not even how do you start? It's recognizing this is going to be the hardest shit you've ever done for yourself in your life. With as much as you love everybody and as much as you help everybody all the time, taking that unconditional love and throwing it back on yourself and making you a priority, still to this day, one of the biggest and hardest tasks I've ever had to done, especially with being a mom and whatever I am with 
the career path and then my husband. And I know you with having your son, I mean, that's just another life-changing moment in general. But we only know like the mother perspective of it and what our husbands told us what they experienced. But for you, I mean... What happened when your son came out and you saw him for I the first for time? Three days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you can ask my wife, but that was crazy. Yeah. So as soon as he came out, it was like uh I don't I don't I don't know if I feel bad saying this, but you know, when my wife was pregnant, it's like, yeah, the baby's in there, cool, you know, feeling cute. Yeah, there's all a that. baby in there. It's yeah. not but real for me. I struggled, I struggled with my aunt would always tell me, Oh, you need to sing him songs, you need to read, all this. I'm like, I can't do that. Like there's I'm try I try so yeah. hard to do it and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And um, even with my daughter, like my wife's pregnant right now with my daughter, I'm like, oh, I want to just sit down and read books to her. And it's like, I can't bring myself to do it. But then as soon as my son came out, it was like an immediate connection. Mm-hmm. Like I never thought I could love something so much so quickly. Mm-hmm. I guess the best way to put it. Immediately. Immediate, yeah. Yes. And yeah, it was bad. I mean, I, I immediately started crying whenever he was born. And then I was huddling over the, they put him in that little table or whatever. I was mm-hmm. just like holding his hand. He was holding my finger. Yeah. At the time, it's like I'm still crying. Then, and then the first three days in the hospital, every time he would cry, I would go pick him up and start crying too. Yay! So yeah, I don't know. It's. Had you ever felt such a deep emotional connection? No, never in my entire life. Because I understood, like I understood that I wanted to be unconditional love, and like you understand, like when you feel it and when you don't. But when the first time I saw Monroe, even though like I was convulsing and puking, yeah, um, I still remember the first time I saw her, and again that like that line of love was she grew in me, so I did get to have like you know the maternal relationship yeah. with her, but the. Oh my God, I never knew I could love you so much. I'll do anything to protect you. I'll do anything for you. The immediate of them pulling her out Mm -hmm. of me and feeling like that. I love that even as the father who didn't raise, like didn't grow the baby inside of him for you to have that and be like, you're mine. I will protect you and I will do good by you. That's what's so crazy because it's like, yeah, I don't want him to, you know, feel pain or fear or hurt and anything like that, but it's. It's then a I part know, of their like, journey. Yeah, they have, have to, to. You have to do that. Yeah. So, and even now, it's like I just let him be himself. Whatever you want to do, go for it. Like, I'm going to support you either way. I'm going to find your natural talents, and I'm going to help you grow those. Absolutely. If you, yeah. you want to be a, a novelist, and I want you to be a basketball player. And the thing player. is, him and I are totally 100% polar opposite. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I struggle with it big time. But it's... Uh, but then my mom, you know, when my mom and my grandma were like, oh, he's exactly like you when you were a kid. I'm like, I was not like this as a kid. And <laughs> yeah, it like, it's always funny the different memory perspectives that people mm-hmm, have yeah. on you when you were a kid. Like, oh, I thought I was like this. And they're like, no, you were like this. Man, yeah, just watching him learn things astonishes me, like, on a daily basis. Like, watching him, watching him connect pathways or, like, oh, uh, start yes. asking questions about things. So we watched, this, we watched a movie the other night, and the uh, girl's parents turned into pigs. And then he fell asleep before the movie was over. So I guess the next day at daycare, he was telling his teacher he doesn't want his parents to turn into pigs. Aww. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> so I, we got home and yeah, we finished. Yeah, because everything's we, like reality. Yeah, we finished watching the movie. So it's, and he found out that that's not actually what happens to the parents. So it's, I don't know. Do you think that he's like <laughs> supremely analytical already? Like 100%. This guy will, and, and not only that, he does not care. He will tear you down. So if. If, Does he have um, a little bit of old Nick in him? I don't know about that, but it's it's funny. The, the, the most recent one I can remember is he got a new puzzle. <laughs> and then 
it, a piece accidentally ripped off on the piece, so you could it's cardboard instead of the picture. Mm-hmm. And he blames it on my wife. And he will every time he's doing the puzzle. Hey, remember when you ripped my puzzle? <laughs> so he's like reinforcing that. Absolutely. Oh or like my at, at daycare, he rats us out on a daily basis. Like if um, <laughs> we forgot to wash the like, shoes. Hey, did you know? We didn't wash up my sheets. They're still dirty right now. <laughs> like, wow. He'll throw anybody into that. He's really into it. Nick. He's, we just like- had ice cream for supper last night because we didn't go grocery shopping. 100%. Yeah. And another funny one. So um, my mother-in-law was over babysitting. And then we get home and he goes, hey, grandma didn't babysit me at all. We just did puzzles. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> she was babysitting you. She just wasn't. I used to have a kid that would tell his mom I threw him in the dryer. Right when you left, she threw me in the dryer. And I just got out right before you got out. And she's like, you were in the dryer for five hours. Wow. Yeah, I really like watching him grow and learn things. It's insane. But it's always... What does it do for you? Because I don't have that masculine perspective of... Again, like you, you watched your baby grow in your wife's stomach. So obviously like you're going to have a, a difference in your relationship. I know one of my friends told me one time you like build the mother cord in your head where, you know, you look at her a certain way when she's a girlfriend, then you look at her a, sif- a different way when she's a wife. But now this woman who has been through hell with you and, you know, is one of the reasons that you are alive. Yeah. You could well, kind of put get, it like that. I get protective of her. Um, yeah. Like when, so she's at the end of the pregnancy right now. She's had like uh, iron deficiency issues. Mm-hmm. So her heart beats like racing really hard. And you're immediately like, what can I do like, to put this baby? I need you to be yeah. okay. You know, yeah. but it's, it's obviously I don't feel that way, but just in that initial time, it's like, I want to protect her, but it's, I don't know how to describe it. I'm not connected. I hate, I'm, it's going to sound so bad. It's like, I'm not, I, I'm no, not connected, think, I I think like I'm not, I'm not connected with the baby right now. You know I what I mean? Think, but I think that that is the absolute truth. Yeah. Cause right now this My baby whole pregnancy is like, Landon, like he wanted to be as connected as I wanted yeah. to be, but he's like, I'm freaking out. I'm yeah. going to be a father. And with, with, with me, it was the first pregnancy was perfect. Everything was fine. Everything was great. No issues. No, nothing. Water broke. In the morning, we went to the hospital two hours later, we have a baby. Like, everything was just so smooth sailing. Super, super chill. And this pregnancy is not smooth sailing. Like, yeah. there's been issues that are going on. You know, she has issues with her body that are going on mm-hmm. because of the pregnancy. So, it's, I don't know. It, it's not as smooth sailing. It sucks. But yeah, it like, it's like, hurts me. It is different for men. Because with women, the child is inside of them. And you can feel it's them. real. They're, yeah, they're a for part man, of you. like, okay, so I see your stomach's larger than it used to be. But the baby isn't real for me yet. Yeah. Once they see the baby, yeah, it's like I feel the baby kicking you, everything. It's hundred percent real. At yeah, that like absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's like one of those things where it's as soon as the baby comes in, it's like cool, it's go time now. Right, absolutely. Like it, it, all of it's there, but it's I guess not accessible or not. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go into it or take it out. But yeah, as soon as the baby's born, it's just it's go time. Boom, yeah. that's mine. That's it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But in, and I've wanted a daughter. Like I really wanted a daughter first, and then it was it wasn't a letdown that I had a son, but it was. Damn, I, you really wanted wanted a, I really wanted a girl. And then the, the deal was, it was like, okay, so we're going to get pregnant again. And if it's a boy, oh, I'm going to, you know, I don't want three kids, but I don't want to try for another boy and have three boys. I will raise a, a daughter in my lifetime. I'll just adopt a, you know, I'll adopt a daughter. Yeah. So my intentions were always to be that I will. And I don't know if that's from past trauma of watching the females in my life go through whatever. Like that, you're like, I'm not only did I break the cycle, but I'm going to I'm make gonna sure create, this next generation yes, is I right. Wanna, I'm going to create, create this, a new pathway. This woman to come into life and, and not 
experience what the other women in my life went through, I guess. Mm-hmm. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but oh, it's crazy it worked out that way. And it, the funny thing about it is when she was pregnant, everyone's had, um, so my side of the family is all boys. Like my dad had, I guess he had one girl, but it's all boys. And then my wife's side is all girls. So she was the first, my son was the first boy pretty much on their side because her grandparents had three three daughters and then one of the daughters had a daughter and then one of the daughters had two daughters. So it's like all, all females. And then, so we introduced the first male and then her sister gets pregnant and it's another male and then gets pregnant again and it's another male. And so it's like, well, it's going to be cursed with boys. Yes. And then her friend um, did a, a tarot reading and texted me. She's like, you're gonna have a girl. Like, well, cool. You're just going to say that. She goes, no, you're going to have a girl. It's going to be Pisces. I'm like, oh, cool. Whatever. And then we did, I was like, I can't take it anymore. So we did, they do this DNA test where it's a blood test mm-hmm. and you send we did it in. The same one. Yeah. You send it in and it detects male DNA inside, you know, your bloodstream. So she took the test. We sent it off. I came back. It was a girl. I cried for like a day. It's still not real to me. I'm still not going to believe it until she comes out. But <laughs> yeah, I wonder what the, the difference between like, you know, having a son and then the girl coming out, like what experience that will be. Cause you already know what it feels like to have yeah. your son come out and be like, that's mine. But the protective scale on a girl versus <laughs> a boy. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Like we're not having any more kids and I'm fine with it. And I think my husband pretends to be fine with it, <laughs> you know, cause like <laughs> he might be one day, yeah, yeah. you know, like I, I am out of business, bro. I just want Monroe. <laughs> she is amazing. Um, but I, I always wondered, like, if we did, like, have a boy, even for me, would it be different knowing how you have to parent a girl and how you have to parent a boy? And, the again, the overprotection that I already feel that I have for Monroe just because she's a girl alone. And she's really nice. Like, grocery shopping, everybody's her best friend. I'm like, Monroe, you cannot hug everybody in the grocery store. I'm sorry. I know in your head that's the way the world is, but I was naive for a really, really long time because I was that nice social, hi, hi, I love everybody. Yeah. You know, you've, it's going to get beaten out of you somehow, but that's what I always think when you're like, I don't want him to hurt. I don't want him to go through this. I'm like, oh, and the funny thing is I'll go and I'll call my mom and I'm just like, yep. I, uh, I don't know how you do this still to this day. Cause my wife and I joke that. She's like, oh, I'm never going to, he's going to be my favorite even when she's born. And I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure she's going to be my favorite when she's born. So it's, I mean, it's not, I don't hate to break it down to one of those things, but it's like, no, we, we it's, both know it's that funny. that's going to be, because it's not that I'm not like, I'm really close with my son, but my wife is definitely. If you look they, at they a picture a, of him, like literally, they're literally they the exact same like, person. Yeah, they yeah, are. It's crazy. So it's, so I'm hoping, and it, and it blows my mind on that one too, because he pulled every single recessive trait you can pull from your mother. <laughs> he got the blonde hair. He got the blue eyes. He got everything. He didn't get anything from me. I mean, I so was I'm hoping, really hoping Monroe would have my eyes. And yeah, I'm I mean, Landon's brown eyes are pretty, but I loved my blue eyes. And I thought, I'm like, I'm going to have a little baby with blue eyes. Yep. And her name's Monroe Tyler. She's just going to be a little badass little rock star. And I mean, she still is. But <laughs> what you think your baby's going to look like, yep. especially when you're growing it in your belly, you're like, what do we look like? And then when she came out, I was just like, Oh my gosh. Which we had, we did get one of those. I think we got one of the like 3D images like towards the end and it had yeah. all of Monroe's face like right here. And it literally looked like her when she came out. So I was <laughs> able to like use my imagination and piece the rest of her face That's when crazy. she came out. I was like, 
<gasps> and she looked like me too, which was really nice because I worked super hard on her. So I I was one of those moms in the newborn era where I was like, she looks like me. Look. <laughs> <laughs> and even when I look back on pictures, like I still wonder. Um, you know, like maybe if we would have waited a couple more years, like maybe when Monroe's like five, we could have had another one and then Monroe would have like helped and all of that. Yeah. And I mean, he has a vasectomy, so that's not really a thing that we are, but See, that's, that's my next once, once the baby's born my next. Yeah. Every time is that, is that just normal? Like when you look back on the times that you had your baby, cause you're going to remember those emotions being in that room and being with that person. Like, dude, it does it automatically give you baby fever. Because I will always get baby fever when I look back at the experience, like the pregnancy I had with Monroe and just like the hospital room and bringing her home for the first time. And honestly, how it changed me because I I didn't I didn't think that it was going to change me as much as it did. And I even have friends that are like, I'm really surprised at the type of mom that you are. I knew that you would be a good mom, but how into Monroe you are we did not expect you to be like this in depth and this thorough and playing this far out and do all this, of this stuff. Like during my pregnancy, I think I was just terrified to be a mom. I was like, oh, fuck. Fuck, I have to quit saying fuck. Yeah. That's my, <laughs> my, my favorite my word. My son punishes me for saying that word. Yeah. And I feel like I, I'm getting like a lot of pointers of Monroe because Monroe's like super analytical, building her pathways, trying to connect this and that. And I, I 100% believe she too will be a snitch. And I'm like, I can't be having no kids that's a snitch. <laughs> we don't do that. Yep. Yeah, he writes, he writes everyone out on, on a regular basis. But it's crazy seeing the way he looks exactly like her, so I'm hoping my daughter will look like me, but you can't, you can't really. <laughs> Did yeah. Was your son um, born at like 333 or anything that like sticks out of you? I don't remember his exact you? date. I don't um, his birthday is um, June 9th, so the only number is, you know, 6-9. Yeah. Obviously, the only thing that relates there, but it's... Now, if he was born at 3, that's, like, perfect. I don't like, remember. That 3 9 manifestation. Well, yeah. yeah I don't, like, I don't, he I, wakes, I'd have to go back and look. I don't remember he what time he was born. He wakes up at three three three. He was born at three three three. Like, I just didn't know if there was some really cool synchronicity that's just going to mm-hmm. keep coming down your family line. Yeah, but then you know, the funny thing that we joke around, so we picked, we pretty much had our daughter's name picked out. Was it going to be Lily? And that's what my wife chose. Mm-hmm. And we just struggled with middle names. And, you know, eventually I wanted to do, um, my mother's middle name is Janine. So I was going to do Jean, Lily Jean. And then we're like, that's oh, super cute. we're like, oh, that doesn't, we don't want to do that one. So we ended up deciding on Lily Sage. <laughs> and my last name is Dysars. So Lily Sage Dysars, LSD. It's like, fuck, didn't even, didn't oh! even think about that. And then everyone's like, oh yeah, bullshit, Nick. You, you, you totally yeah, planned that. People. Of all people, you would have planned. I'm like, no, I, I honestly. That's old Nick, man. Just, that name just came to me and because she picked the first name, so I picked the middle name and it's. That's funny. It's just funny how that worked out. Yeah. Yeah. We had our boy's name picked out. Like we were picking out um, like middle names with it. So his name is Hendrix. We thought Monroe and Hendrix was cool. Yeah. And I was like, what kind of middle name do you put with Hendrix? And I was like, Hendrix this, Hendrix that. And I wanted it to be like an A name. So I was like, Averin, Atlas, Allen. Oh, you know, like Hendrix, Allen Moore sounds adorable. And then I was like, no, I'm not having another kid anyways. I don't even know why I'm thinking about this. (laughs) Just nope, done, bye. And again, like I don't have to worry about it now. Maybe I'll get a dog and name him Hendrix Allen, but... I yeah. loved, that's why we used, because um, Landon's middle name is Tyler. 
So that's why we use Tyler in Monroe's name is because I was like, we're having one kid. It's a girl. Give her your middle name now because you're not, <laughs> we're not doing this again. I don't even know how we came about my son's middle name. Like we had even his name just, we weren't even discussing names. It's like, oh, how's Oliver sound? It's like, okay, cool. Oliver. I love that. And name. then we were like, well, what's his middle name going to be? And we had both of us like, I don't know, Reed. And then well, how are we going to spell it? So it was, we spelled it R-E-E-D, but it's. Um, we didn't even plan to name him. You know what I mean? Like we just felt like we sat like down. A, to, a good novelist, like oh, have you read Oliver Reed's yeah. new book? Well, I just felt like the name flowed pretty decently. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I had this. I read this study about the names you give your kids can kind of correlate to you know what they're what they end up being in life because it's unfortunately the world judges people. So you have this name. It's like a weird name. It's like okay, cool. Maybe not gonna pursue that person for a candidate for this job or whatever. And mm-hmm. I don't know uh-huh. if it was a fear that, that made me name him such a cordial name. I don't know. <laughs> Do I have a story about names? Do you? Yes. <laughs> it's not appropriate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, there's stuff that's inappropriate for our show. Yeah. yeah. And you Absolutely. have found that. Yeah. <laughs> so coming into obviously being um, the father that you want to be for your son and then realizing you are going to become the father that you want for your daughter. I have a question I hope I can piece together properly. Let's do it. So when you look at your kid, um, I read a quote that was like, you should never, um, like don't, don't put things that like you didn't finish in life and like make it your kids. Like don't make them live on your agenda and all of that. One hundred percent. Yeah. You, so you're kind of already past that. You know, if he wants to do this, I'm going to support that. Yeah, I heard you say it's that like earlier. I, I want to get him into music, because uh, I felt like I had a. I've always been musically inclined, musically talented, and I just quit playing. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure I could pick up an instrument right now and get back into it, but well, I have plenty for sale. If yeah, you want to buy, <laughs> if you want to buy a guitar for me, I, I got you. If you have a bass, absolutely. It's like I quit playing in general, but it's always wanted to be like, I want him to play piano or mm-hmm. learn, learn an instrument. Piano is my thing too. I and love then it. my wife said, well, what if he doesn't want to do that? I'm like, fuck yeah. What if he doesn't want to do that? Okay, but, cool. See, that would break my heart too. I'm like, Absolutely. okay, I'm like, I have to let you sucks, know what you want to do, but what do you mean? Music saves lives. <laughs> yeah. So my biggest thing with him is just I let him, I try to make him, I empower him to make any decision. Mm-hmm. And I'm, even in situations where I know he's going to make the wrong decision, I still, I will not even say the wrong decision, but it's like, I know a decision if that it you were don't you, the you right would one. make this Absolutely, decision. Absolutely, yeah. So when, it, when okay. it comes down to things, I always give him 100% freedom over what he does. Like, oh, what do you want for dinner? Oh, I want this and this. Like, fuck, that's not a good dinner, but let's do it, you know? And then maybe that's not <laughs> See, a good thing. I don't thing. go that far, yeah. but I, I think that's I do, cool. Like, everything, like, even, like, religious belief. Because I was raised very, very, very Christian. And, like, like. I didn't even get into that. It's sinful not to be Christian. I mean, I guess it is. Well, I know the viewpoint that you're talking about. But like, you don't even, you do not look at Tara. You do not look at Buddhism. You do not, you don't don't even look at any of it. Like, if you even look at that, you need to go and do some repenting. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. And so it's really important to me that like, we talk about God and we, you know, if they want to know how I believe, I'm going to let them know that. But we also talk about Buddha. We also talk about atheism we also talk like we talk about all the stuff and you're going to be able to decide what's right for you i love that and and so not only just religion but like um sexuality 
like whatever it is in life where you feel like society always makes us go into a certain line, Mm -hmm. that's not going to be this house. Like you get to decide what kind of life you're going to lead. Absolutely. What kind of career you're going to have, what kind of person you're going to be. I mean, hopefully it's a good one, right? (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I totally get that. Because it's like even, I don't know. My son was asking my mom about someone that died or whatever. And she goes, oh, yeah, he died and went to heaven. I'm like, oh, don't say that. Right. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Because, like, I haven't even touched on that subject with him yeah, yet. I don't want him right. asking about that. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I definitely would want to empower him to do. I want to just give him an empty slate and let him create mm-hmm. what he wants for his life. But it's, mm-hmm. at the same time, you got to find the, the balance between setting the boundaries and yeah. I haven't, obviously haven't found those yet. But Yeah, well, Because my, my wife will come home and we'll be on the couch, you know, eating pizza on the couch, drinking from the two liter that we ordered. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think those are just really great moments yeah. to build with them anyways. Yeah. Like this isn't always what we do, but sometimes I mean, you sometimes, can have fun. Yeah. It's fun to have ice cream for dinner, but you don't do that every night. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. usually Wednesdays are our, we'll do whatever, because my wife works late nights on Wednesdays. So, we, mm-hmm. you know, Wednesdays is our day. So mm-hmm. it's whatever, whatever you want to do, that's what we're going to do. And he's, um he's getting into the library. He likes to go to the library a lot. He's getting mm-hmm. into reading more. Mm-hmm. And then music is, he's really getting into music, which is. He has his own record player? Kind of, yeah, he has his own record player. I think that's really cute. So you started, inspired me to get one for Monroe earlier than I thought it was going to. Yeah. Because I always knew it was in the cards, but I'm like, oh, you're already doing it with your son? I was like, hell yeah. Yeah, so he's got a Frozen record. This is probably our most played one. And my favorite one I got him for Christmas this year is a Peppa Pig record. <laughs> but it's like a, 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 a special edition limited pressing Peppa Pig record. <laughs> He but sent me a video of that. It's so, so funny awesome. of him because he's like, Dad, I'm going to help. I'm like, no, you're going to mess the records up. And then finally I broke that wall down. I'm like, yep, we'll buy your records and then you can do whatever yeah, you want with them. you can do them. whatever you want with yours. Yeah, so he takes them and he holds them real nicely and just sets it on puts there. it on there real nice. And <laughs> is it this button? I'm like, yeah, it's that button. And he knows how to turn it up and everything. So it's. I think it teaches a responsibility because mm-hmm. I had PTSD for touching records for a long time because I had a stepdad that I obviously from the perspective of protecting your collection from a child, like I get why he was like so mean to us and scared us away from it. But like with Monroe, like, yeah, you're about two. You probably still want to try to eat the records. So <laughs> don't touch mommy's records. We're going to go with this later. But bringing her into the fold of it, I want to be like, this is how you touch a record. Oh, yeah. This is how you don't do it. So she knows um, she's not doing anything wrong. You just need to be educated a little more before Mm -hmm. you touch this. Well, there's that mom on TikTok who's like two-year-old cooks their own breakfast. Like he has his own kitchen, cooks his own breakfast. And like it's an American two-year-old. It's not like, you know, how... You know, in other countries, like the kids have to do that because mm-hmm. it's how they eat. But like, she's like, okay, today you're going to learn how to make an egg. And he does it all by himself. Like, she's not there like micromanaging. She's like, Here, here's what you need. Making Go do an it. egg. What? Definitely empowering them. <laughs> yeah. Right. Empowering your empowering. children is, is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big on that. Well, not again, like not passing on your trauma, which I know we've talked a lot yeah. about. Breaking I feel like the I do cycles. With that, yeah. yeah, I think like I don't I let my eleven year old cook. You know, big, <laughs> but I think you're super big on like you've broken a lot of big cycles. That when it comes up to like little stuff, whether you're breaking it or not, the acknowledgement that you have in it. It's like don't give your kid, don't tell your kid like, hey, be like me, have my dreams. Like what? Like if I had a son and I would be like, don't do what your dad wanted to do. Think about what you would want to tell your son. Mm-hmm. So. 
if you had a kid right now, even though you're a kid, you don't want me coming to you as your father and being like, I want you to be like me. I want you to be honorable like me and this and this and this. No, I want you to have the courage and the integrity to stand up for yourself, for your values and your beliefs. And don't let society dictate or all these people dictate who you are and what you're supposed to do with your life. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't have that moment because I'm not a man and I'm not going to have a son. But when I think of like the feminized approach of that with Monroe, no, I don't have an agenda for you. I don't even have a college fund for you. Mm -hmm. I have a savings account and a hard drive. You're going to get at 18 and you get to go figure everything out and we're going to be here to help you. But dude, I have 17 more summers with you to give everything I can to you while you're in my presence. That's not a including going away with friends or the years that they really don't want to be around you anymore. But I acknowledge I only have 17 more summers with you to instill what I believe are good, true core values and lessons that I think you should learn. Someone's going to come and break your heart. I can't kill them. (laughs) <laughs> but I can I can teach you how to mend a broken heart. I can teach you self-love and I can teach you self-worth. So when that person comes in your life, they are not your worth and they do not speak for your emotional code. Like there's so many things that I know that I've experienced as old shy. And I'm like, yeah. oh my God. When so, you look at it from a parental standpoint, you're like, how do you protect? So here's my thing is how do you protect your kids from the stuff that you went through with being honest about the things that you went yeah, through? That's where it gets hard. Because the one thing you don't want is to not tell your kids anything about your past at all and just pretend like you were completely fine back then. Like there wasn't anything. You didn't do anything bad. So you portray to your kids like, um, how do I put it? Like. This is this has always been you. You've never had any true trials or tribulations or embarrassing moments in your life. My parent has just always been perfect. And it honestly will mess the kid up in the long run. One, when they find out that you've lied to them their whole life. Absolutely. Yeah. But like for for you to the person who's like, I know you you were hurt, so I know that's why you hurt me. You have to go back to that parent and be like, why did you think it was okay to not tell me the truth the whole time about like, even though that's not a good part of you and you didn't want me to experience that, but have you thought futuristically like how you're going to walk your kids through that? No, but I think my, about it randomly. My biggest feeling when it comes to that is I feel like everyone hit that moment in their life when they figured their parents out, you know, okay, this is the kind of person my mom is. This is the kind of person my dad is. And I always think to myself when he hits that moment, I want to be someone that he can, I guess, look up to or, yeah, or like when he figures his dad, like, oh yeah, my dad thinking back, he's a good person. He did this and this, but I don't know. Eventually, I'll probably give him the rundown of who I used to be, you like know, the old man. Only makes sense, yeah. See, I have a a friend's dad. But I don't know how to just tell him, like, hey, dude, your dad used to do a lot of drugs, like, or yeah, you know, your I dad get, used to treat women like shit. Well, you kind of got to think you, about how well, do you, you gotta, pass that. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, you've learned the lesson. That's why I was like, you're gonna have to build a language with the proper yeah. answer. But you think about like people from the '60s and '70s and like how they are now. And they're like, oh, I could tell you stories of myself back in the day. I think it's a lot easier to share your troubled past with your kids when 
it's your past and not your present. Like, Absolutely. Like when you're when you're running lines with your kid watching you, <laughs> you know, that well, it's you're totally not help anybody, right? Then when you're like with my kids, I don't. I've never portrayed myself as the perfect parent. Like I've always been like, yeah, I tried some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I that hope that you don't go down this path that is going to be bad for you. Yeah. Um. And you here's have an what I've personality, learned, honey. It won't work out. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, and you know, just you know, these things. Like I, like I know that there's there are times when they look at me like mom's perfect, but it's not because I'm trying to portray myself as perfect. Yeah. I don't think the, those are know? the parents, like the parents that know they were a completely different person during and sharing all, that and honestly then, and but yeah. they're not honest like you have oh, no yeah. idea who your parent is so you're like oh yeah. you figure your parent out to a certain point mm-hmm. and I'm like I struggled a little bit yeah you know like I it wasn't like up front it was just like here's your mom here's your dad there's your mom there's your dad mm-hmm. there was they didn't exist before us right so then when I was like oh my god they existed before us <laughs> this is trippy yep. who mm-hmm. were they mm-hmm. when they were and then you go to them and I mean, for the most part, they're like, eh, I liked, I liked ACDC. I hung out with my friends. I did this, but I'm like, okay, but how bad did you F up? <laughs> yeah. Like what part of your life did you like when you were my age? Cause that's what I really struggled with is when I was like 18, 19, 20, 21, like anybody in my life was like, you graduate high school, you go to college, everybody's lost. You'll figure it out. I'm like, I'm lost to the point where I would like to die. I'm at, I'm not planning a future. I'm planning my funeral. Mm-hmm. And you guys, my escape, and you guys, yeah. and you guys think that I'm joking because apparently I'm too much and theatrical for you. Mm-hmm. Now I have to go dumb myself down with all these substances so I can still sit in front of you and I can still not be enough. I can still be unworthy, and I'm still dropping out of college soon. Mm-hmm. Like there were all of these living on other people's agendas, which is why I don't want to do this for Monroe. Yeah, I, I felt like either. I was living on so many people's agenda. So like it didn't matter if I hadn't seen my aunt and uncle in months if I. I had seen them I just remember that I was failing them the last time I saw them mm-hmm. and since I hadn't done anything for what they wanted for my life well I just assumed that it was going to be a really good conversation and I was always no matter if they loved me anything like that it was always going to be like don't forget that you didn't live up to what we wanted for you mm-hmm and it didn't matter if it was parents, aunt, uncles, grandma, grandpa's sister, brother it really didn't matter I always had this horrible unworthy complex that was the underlying tone Mm -hmm. of any substance that I was trying to get away from so moving from like knowing I'm not that person anymore Nick knowing he's not that person anymore but knowing that you know you purify your disposition you don't kill your your shadow side they are technically dead like they don't operate your system anymore you're as not Brahma said you're operating at a different octave of yourself And I know that I'm not that person anymore, but there's going to come a day where I'm going to have to introduce that person to Monroe somehow. And I'm going to be like, this is what I went through at this age. This is what I went through. This is why I went through it. Like I've studied myself enough to understand the trauma in it, why I acted the way I did and how I was able to release it and heal it. And I know that there's still like a lot of things that you're going through that you're like, I don't really know how to do that, but I know that I know I can figure out the answer. Like it's available yeah. and it's out there. See, for me, I what I guess what I'm saying is I've never tried hiding that part of yeah. me. Yeah, like any time like a question has come up from the age of four to the age of twenty two, it's 
okay, let me tell you what my experience was, mm-hmm. you know, or like when questions about boys start, then it's like, okay, well, let me tell you about how great boys can be, but let me tell you how bad boys can be because your mom's been raped. Yeah. And I hate to tell you that, but you need to know that that can happen too. Yeah. And so let's just get real about this. So you need to be careful and here's why, mm-hmm. you know, and so there's never a point when it's like, it's, it's ever getting hidden, right? So yeah. when you start talking about what are drugs, dad, well, let me tell you. Absolutely. Because I've, I have some experience I'm with it. It almost, <laughs> yeah. it almost killed me. I hope that you don't have that same experience with it. I understand you're going to want to explore that, understand that there's going to be some questions. I hope when you get to that point in your life, you make me part of that conversation. 100%. I always tell my wife, yeah. I hope I'm, I don't want him to do drugs, but if he wants to do drugs, I really hope he will come to me right. and have a safe space. Right. But it's like, how do you tell your kid that, you know, or how do you, it's not, I don't know. How do you be a hypocrite and go, you can't do this. Exactly. I did. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that's always the thing is like, I don't, I've been there, buddy. Like, I understand, but mm-hmm. you still be you safe. still have to be the guideline. You yeah. can't yeah. be like, I want to be a cool mom and right. do drugs with my kids, but then right. go. Well, I don't well, want to go that enough, far, but you've yeah. done enough. But I know people like that. Yeah. Yeah. They were so terrified that they were going to be like their overprotective parent mm-hmm. that the only like Solution, I don't think that yeah. they meant to do drugs with their kids. Like, let me just put that out there. But by that, they were. They were acting and doing all the things that they were doing while they were having their kids. Their kids were a separate timeline in their life. Like Oliver is your life. You don't do shit so that really takes you away from him. Going that way though. But you but you know people, you grew up with people that did that. You would go to their houses and you're like, Your parents are drunk and it's noon and yeah, there's like, a hey, line on the table. <laughs> I'm just and, past the pipe. And then your you're mom, like, Oh, my mom doesn't care if we do any fucking thing here. Like they're yeah. doing everything. My mom would be mad if you don't share. Right. Like I knew <laughs> right. See, I don't, I don't want to be that but, parent. But I, guess. I knew kids like that. Right. So coming from my mom and my dad, that yeah. was not our lives. Yeah. I go in their house, they're like, Yeah, we can do anything here. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Like I went to my friend's mom's house. We were in eighth grade and this wasn't even like that bad, but we got to drink um, like a handle of hurricane and just chain smoke cigarettes till the sun came up. Mm-hmm. And I was in, I was like Pinocchio, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, Oh my God, this is so cool. My mom would never let me do this. And mm-hmm. now looking back, I'm like, Oh my God, I, st- I started drinking in eighth grade, like thinking it was cool. Oh my God, Monroe's going to be in eighth grade one day. And these kids are weird. They have like tablets in front of their face Jeez. from the moment they come out of their moms. Mm-hmm. So I'm like all these other things that I already struggled with in a small town and my mom trying to, you know, please don't let this influence you. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and then eventually you just have to be like, please come home safe. Mm-hmm. Going through all of that. And then again, looking at it from a parental standpoint, I'm just like, this is some next level stuff that people need to talk about because mm-hmm. parenting in the nineties versus parenting now, like I said, the tablet gets shoved in front of the kid's face. Like, I don't even think that kids are learning humility well, and it's humanity. It's instant properly gratification anymore. Is kids right. are just growing up on instant gratification. There's no delayed anything. They just think they can get whatever they want right then, right there. Mm-hmm. Cause Hey, I can just pull up YouTube and right there it is. Add right to there. car, add to yeah, car, add to car. Absolutely. Which is the creepiest button for a kid to know in my oh, yeah, opinion. No, we, we, my son's like, can I have Amazon on my tablet? I'm like, no, you can't have Amazon no, on your iPad. No yeah. way, buddy. Hey mom, I built you my Christmas list. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many things that are changing, um, which is why I want to wrap it back around to one of your favorite things you want to talk about. Um, incorporating unconditional love into parenting and into consensual parenting is what I yes. found is definitely like, there's certain things that my parents still are like, what? That like, 
we didn't not that they didn't teach that but that just wasn't the way it's like i'm the adult you're the kid you listen yeah and like Mm -hmm. now like even with monroe i'm like okay can i clean out your ears okay like i don't ask her to discipline her but disciplinary action is a learning it's not let me Absolutely. let me make you feel bad about what you did so you never do it again because the, the only worst thing, way you could go about it yeah, yeah. you're building a disassociative password pathway when you're, in you're the building kid's a relationship on, on fear yes so it's you're, you're you're training fear you're not training anything else so it's like if i keep i guess for example your parents hit you it's like because <laughs> with me it's like until that point where you're not afraid to be hit anymore then all that's going to come rushing back you know what i mean it's like yeah. oh i didn't do this because i was gonna get hit i didn't do this because i was gonna get scolded mm-hmm Oh, now he can't scold me, so let me go do all this again. So with my wife, we've kind of, um, as you said, the united front, and it's, I hate to put it this way, but I mean, the parents are the most important people in that relationship, I feel like. And they're, um, like, you guys have a really solid relationship. I know that there's people that are trying to parent kids, and they are on the outs. Yeah. They should not be together like they're raising their kid in a very toxic environment and two separate yeah yeah like, two okay separate mindsets okay exactly and now i mean jesus just get a divorce okay the split right. houses will be better for the kid but you guys i want to ask you because i know you and your wife have one of the best foundations i've ever seen in a relationship not just longevity but friendship oliver lily coming into play all of this stuff and um let's see how do i word this we, we just go together and everything. Um, we parent. It's so, I guess, cliche to say, but it's like, yeah, well, the parents come first. I mean, the, the parents, if the kid, you can't put your kid first, I feel like. And I mean, to a certain extent, you can put you your, your sure child first. You have to make sure they survive, but you're right. Absolutely. But it's, I cannot be a parent to you if I'm just putting your needs and everything above mine. It's so, so we, rules. So, yeah, we're always, you know, we are first and we are happy and then we pass that down. So one of our biggest things is that we wanted him to take away is the way that daddy treats mommy. You know what I mean? Because we both have had issues with that in our life. So we don't want him. And just keeping away from conflict in general. Like, you know, my mom and my sister will come over and just, you know, scream at each other. And I'm like, don't fucking do that in front of him. I yeah. don't want him to see people mm-hmm. yelling at each other. That's, yeah, I, don't I don't want him to want know him that him that's... To, I'd never want that memory built. Yeah, or not only that, I just don't want him to think that that's a normal way. Like, I'm not getting my way with somebody. Let me raise my Let voice and try to get voice. my way. That's yeah. a really good way to put it. Um, we know that from all those guest relation table visits <laughs> we've done. It's like, you're an adult. <laughs> yeah. And I am technically a child to you. And you just literally, like, threw a knife at me. Mm-hmm. Thank and, you. And, and, you know, and the hardest thing about parenting, too, it's like when your kid does do those things, it's... I got to try not to laugh like when he's doing something stupid. Well, when she makes me mad, like, you know, because we're in the no, no, no phase over and over and over. And, like, she knows not to touch stuff. I'm like, you cannot get mad. We are learning and And exploring boundaries right now. Putting your finger right next to it, yeah. Yeah, you can't touch, like, in the, it's kind of like having an annoying brother where he's like, I'm not touching you. It's that same feeling of annoyance, but I can't just give it to her and project it onto her. And we're spending a lot more time together now than we were able to, and I'm super grateful for it. But I'm like, wow. Yeah, that's my biggest struggle with parenting right now is, why, Dad? Why? 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 I'm like, I don't want to just say because I told you so because I don't want to have that bearing like, oh, you can't do it because I said you can't do it. Do as I say, not as I do. Absolutely. Yeah. And then it's, I don't know, and he he says the F word sometimes because he's got it from me and it's... He, yeah. but but the thing You're is like, he knows hey. he knows it's a bad thing to say uh-huh so and he'll even tell my wife like he's like geez i hope dad's not at work saying the f word or whatever but when i do say it he'll like you you can see he'll like get a smile on his face and he'll look at me like he knows you shouldn't be I doing it but he knows that it, it. it comes out so it's 
I don't know. It's finding that that balance, and it's different. I don't think there's any universal advice you can mm-hmm. give to everybody because everyone's relationship with their child is different. So yeah. And you like are full in, like you wanted to be a dad. You knew you wanted to be a dad. It wasn't like, Oops. I really, I, I didn't, I, but I, I knew it was in me. Yeah. 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 It was, it was one of those things I was afraid of. Um, I can And like you said, there's that. no blueprints on how to be a dad and no discredit to my dad. My dad's a wonderful person, but we are, are friends. Yeah. We never really had the father son vibe. We always had the, you're my friend vibe, which is, it works for us, but. I don't want you don't want to be. Friends I don't with want your that kid. to be with I my son. I yeah. never want to be friends with my daughter, but I want her to know that I am a safe space for her. Yeah. And I'm not going to be like, you can tell me anything. And then she tells me anything. And I'm like, you know, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> now, as your parent, I will discipline you because yeah. it's like, oh, I can't trust you. You're not a safe place. Thank you. But it's like even when my son gets mad, um, he'll get mad or pissed off or something and start acting a different way. I never scold him about it. I'll take him aside and it's like hey you know first like what did you do and he's like won't say anything i'm like you know like so for example we hit his mom one time and i was like all right you know at that point you gotta pick him away and run away but no it's like i walked up to him you know picked him up gave him a hug you know let's go sit down put him in my lap i'm like so what happened and he wouldn't talk for a while it's like so you know tell me what you did he's like yeah i hit mom i'm like why did you hit mom and he's like i don't know i'm like well were you angry? He's like, yeah, I was angry when I did it. And then, so we got this big thing I'm trying to teach him. It's like, when you're angry, you still have to be nice. Mm-hmm. So it's, I try to walk him through the mo- the emotions that he's feeling mm-hmm. rather than just letting him act on it. So it's when he does something, we sit down. It's like, hey, you, you, you did this. So I get him to admit that he does it. And then I start to pick, I want him to figure out why he acted that way so he can see the reasons behind the actions that he's doing. And then I want him to, introspective to look back and be like so next time this happens mm-hmm. can we do take a different path or can you do something different he's like yeah and then i can see it happen to him like i can see him in previous situations where i know like oh yeah he's gonna throw that and i see him go for it and he just doesn't do it that's awesome though so it's yeah that's it's an immaculate insane. awareness response to build with your kid from such an early age because the exercises that you're doing with yeah. your kid are what therapists get and i guess i don't even realize do. that i'm doing that it's just that was the most I love I guess consensual that was just the, the best way that though. I could do it. And I had friends um, that I moved in with when they had a baby and another one on the way too. And Corbin was in the phase of her life where you could start sitting her down and be like, okay, why did we act that way? Why did we do that to mommy? And, yeah. you know, like, of course, they're not only are they frustrated, but they're embarrassed that they don't understand their emotions Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Like and that's what, that's what I guess breaks my heart about it because I can see that he's visibly upset yeah. of what he did. Yeah. And so I want to try like, to help him understand why he did it. You don't have to be embarrassed, but... But we can't really do this. So yeah. like Monroe, obviously we're heading on year two. So like we'll do the hug thing and I'll still be like, hey, you know, you're not supposed to do this, but she's not at a level where she's like, I'm angry. You know, like we just learned snow and shoe the other day, yeah. you know, but again, I guess what I love about my friends having kids like even a couple years older than me. As I'm like, what are you guys doing right now? Like, what are you learning? What what fits have you come up against where you're like, this is really 
like I'm struggling in parenting with this specific thing right now. And mine would be like knowing when Monroe does something that, and she knows it's wrong, that little embarrassment tick that makes her want to just be like, I don't care. No, that doesn't matter to me Eh." and get away from it. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're not building that pathway because you will be a very destructive teenager. (laughs) If you're like, I don't care. Like I know I did wrong. So I'm just going to be a dick instead. That was like my default as a teenager. And I I let him be a dick you know, for a minute or well, two. Well, you're but then, allowed yeah, to feel it. Absolutely. Yeah, but we're going to go back and we're going to be like, we're not building this neuroplasticity. Yep, we always revisit yeah. the the behavior. And it, it's, my wife is a, you know, board certified behavior analyst. So she's really, I guess, enforced that on us. But it's, because I mean, they don't, it's discipline. Like I grew up with discipline. Like you're getting hit, you're getting put in a corner, you're getting stuff taken away from you. And that doesn't work. I mean, I um, didn't for care. me, for me, yeah, I don't I was like, take my shit. Okay. Cool. I'll get it back in a week. I'm going to yeah. be an even bigger dickhead yeah. until I get my stuff back. I'm going to go stay at my friend's house for a week. Absolutely. Let me know when I'm ungrounded. So it's, yeah, being a parent is crazy. So what, like, what would be your takeaway? Like if you were a guest listening to this, cause we've went through, you know, the shadow side, the trials and tribulations, out of body experiences, and with you, like, you don't have, like, a program to sell, anything no, to sell. Like, you are, you are the perfect guest to come on and be like, listen to these experiences that I've had. Listen to the lessons that I have learned and what I'm still struggling and going through now and what, you know, I hope to instill in my parenting and in my life. Like, what would you say to somebody who maybe, like, really resonates with a lot of your story and still being in the thick of it? And they're wanting to break their cycle. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's the biggest thing for me was introspection or I guess I don't know if that's the word for it, but I think that's right. Actually yeah. looking at the situation and taking the situation apart and realizing that that's not who you are. It's just how you reacted, I guess. And then seeing, seeing that path. I don't know. You, Cause everyone gets to that point where you can decide like, I'm either going to continue doing this or I'm going to, change it and break the cycle. Yeah. Break the cycle is the biggest, I guess my biggest takeaway, but it's, it's so hard for me to, I guess, give universal advice. Cause I don't know how anyone else, I mean, one-on-one conversations, I could kill it 100%, yeah. but reaching out to a crowd, it's, it's really hard. I mean, just take care with what you're doing, like realize that your actions have repercussions and then the actions that you create are going to create. I mean, it's, it's all, it's all physics. Connected. It's all physics. Yeah. yeah. Any force that you push out, is going to resonate out and it's going to come back in some way, shape or form. So I guess just being in the moment and knowing what you're doing. And realizing and like realizing you can die. Absolutely. And realizing that, Hey, whatever I'm doing right now, has a 100% impact of what's going to happen in the future. And it can come back to you, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, and what I hear you saying is that it starts with you. Like it's all absolutely. It's the only place it, it starts ends. Re- sits no, all yeah, with you. Yep. No one, no one, I feel like no one can heal you. My biggest thing I've always told people is like, I can't help you if you can't help yourself. Absolutely. So it's in the, that's the biggest thing is it has to start with you. It has to come from within inside you. And if you don't want it, and that's what my biggest, I don't like, like with my drug use, I just quit. And I don't really believe in the whole rehab. Like I could have gone to rehab a whole bunch of times, but I didn't want to go to rehab. I saw what rehab does. I used to, I used to buy drugs from people in, in halfway rehab. houses. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like that was where I could get you know the best drugs. The best. Absolutely. 
So it's, and I feel like a lot of those people were told like, Hey, you need to go to rehab. We're going to put you in this program. We're going to do this, but it's not. Say the surrendered prayer, do the 12 steps and <laughs> then go all, back all to it's the gonna game. All it's going to do is create, I mean. You have to be ready or it doesn't even matter. Absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. love yourself is was where it starts at and realizing that I want this life, but you, know, you can't have both. I can't have. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said love yourself. Cause I know that there's a lot of people out there in those similar stories and whether they can admit it or not, well, they probably won't admit it that they don't have self-love nor have they been taught it into the capacity where it actually, it helps you set boundaries. One thing is I sought love from everything but myself. Mm -hmm. And that's where my biggest issue was. You know, I tried to find it in other women. I tried to find it in drug abuse. I, I don't know. That's a great line. You're not going to find it. You can only find it inside yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's, so when you were able to obviously find that self-love in yourself, like did your, did the love for your wife just explode exponentially? Cause she had already held that, that frequency of unconditional love through Absolutely. everything you yeah. guys went through. And I know we didn't get too in depth with that. Yeah, but I mean, it's I, something was, I don't want to talk about. It's like all personal things, but yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I did some, she was there. I was not a very a cool person yeah, yeah, in the very beginning of our relationship. Yeah. I mean, it's, and but her. you didn't have love for yourself and she, no, she did have yeah, that love. She, so then you finally love yourself and there's this woman who's like, see, it was forgiveness. This is who you forgiveness are. is huge. Yeah. Forgiving um, yourself. And absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and, and, um, her forgiving me, you know, saying like, Hey, yeah, you did do this bullshit that I should probably never talk to you again, but I see, you. I see that the person deep underneath and I mean, yeah, she brought it out and I don't know. <laughs> I I I know you still like putting the story together like towards the end. I think it's just like an overwhelming amount of like gratitude that I've always heard when he's told me about them. Mm-hmm. And I told you this earlier off the record, you know, there's so many relationships that I've heard like that where, you know, this guy's down in the dumps doing his thing and this girl is like, No, I see who you really are, like I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. And it turns into a don't take him. I, I love him story. And mm-hmm. they're yeah. the first story that I've heard where, you know, he was not, it's not like she saved him. Like what she did in a sense, but he wanted to save himself. He wanted to be better, but he didn't outsource his healing to her. She held space for him because she knew who he was. She continuously saw like the true him and didn't give up. Yeah. It ended up working the, the way that I want people to hear the story. Cause I don't ever want anybody sitting here with some shit bag, you know, who's like, you're like, oh, he's going to get it together. No, Cause absolutely. he probably won't. Well, honey. I mean, like, I, like you said, I did want to heal myself and I just yeah. couldn't forget, forgive myself. And then seeing the way she unconditionally loved me, I was like, fuck dude get your shit together like you yeah know what I mean? but again like you she guys held are up a mirror meant, for him absolutely meant to yep. be together that's another thing I, like if you saw these two together you don't question their compatibility you're not like oh why are they together oh they must be together for the kids like just something weird like yeah. that that we always just kind of pick up energetically on couples but with them i'm like i know their trials and tribulations i know what it's like to be that girl waiting for the guy to like wake up and be like, I see this light in you, please, please, please. And then that his light, his light never came on, you know. So like, when the crazy thing, my is story's I like, tragic. I feel like I've always been drawn to her too. So I remember the first day. I remember the interview that she had. Um, I remember the car she was driving. So I used to walk to work. So I was always aware of my surroundings. So I'm walking to work, and then 
it's like at a time where no one's there. So I see, I know who parks where and I see a car in the park. I'm like, who's that? And it's not. So I walk in knowing that there's going to be somebody in the building that's not where they're supposed to belong. So she's doing her interview in the area. And then normally it was like in the bar area. So normally I, I wouldn't set that up until way later in the shift. And I was like, I'm going to go set the bar first. So I sat back and I was like watching her. And then after the interview, I remember walking up to my boss. I was like, hey, is that for me? And he goes, no, bud, she's she's engaged. I was like, fuck, all right, cool. <laughs> but at that time, I mean, if we would have had a relationship at that time, I would have 100% fucked it up, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and then towards the end of the career there, um, you know, she was out of the relationship. And it wasn't like I was like, okay, cool, she's out. I'm going to pray on this now. Yeah. It was like, hey, you want to go play bingo? <laughs> and we went and played bingo and then just kind of went from there. But there so was always like some pull to her. Is there that was always, I was always pulled to her in some way. Yeah. Yeah. It was, even from the first time, like I saw her, I just felt, I don't know. So you, when you watch somebody from a distance and you, I don't know, I, feel, I felt close with her. Like even mm-hmm. when I was a complete shitty person Yeah. and just watching her life and everything. And, and the funny thing is like her sister worked there too. So it's like the, both of them had a disdain for me from the from the get go, <laughs> and it's just this is seeing, old Nick seeing the person that I've become and gone into definitely have her to thank for the most. I mean, I did the work too, but yeah, she initiated the work, so it's she's a great catalyst for sure. Absolutely. You guys are literally one of my favorite like love stories when you think of trials and tribulations. Because again, I know that there's people like on the outs of their relationships and then they they look for these anomalies in stories to like make them like oh I can just hang on a little longer and then I'll have that and that's not what I'm trying to give to people I'm just saying that sometimes it is worth seeing the light with somebody and staying with them and doing it and sometimes which you guys don't have to worry about this but sometimes it's really run its course and it also takes courage courage to realize like has this run its course or are we fighting a battle that we're supposed to fight together? And you guys have overcome so many things together that it's only made you stronger. But you're not strong because of your trauma. I think you're strong because you were supposed to go through all of that together. Yeah. But even then, like my previous relationship before her, I was like, yeah, this is my person. Like I felt like that was my soulmate. And they, I think people need to realize, yeah, yeah, it may be your soulmate. But just because it's your soulmate doesn't mean you're supposed to be together. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of soulmates that, out there. Yeah, absolutely. It could they mean really that you guys are. were just meant to get together and learn a lesson and then part from there. Mm-hmm. So it's. And I mean, and you could roll into. So like, I like to say soulmates and karmic partners. Yeah. Um, there's soulmates, karmic partners. And then if you wanted to get into a talk about twin flames, that's a completely different Way episode. Different, yeah. um, but soulmates, I understand, is it can be friends, family. It can be husbands and wives. And there are people that are like we just want to hang out on earth together. We just want to be in the same like life and friend group and circle. Um, so like my husband, I 100% believe is my soulmate. So he's taught me really good lessons, but they're not like really hard lessons. They don't bring out like the worst in me. But if like my ex, my seven year relationship, I 100% believe that he was my karmic relationship. He brought out sides of me that I would never want to be. I learned lessons that I would honestly never want to learn from anybody else. And then like having the courage to leave, which I didn't, I never thought that I would have to be the one leaving. I thought that, you know, I'd always be the one being broken up with. I'm like, just leave. It's fine. It's cool. Leave your can to the mat. Um, but going, going from like having the courage to do that, yeah, and even just understanding this love in general, it's, 
I hate when people are like, oh, yeah, I used to love this person. It's like, you feel like you didn't actually really love them because I feel like, I don't know, it's like leveling up in a video game. Once you hit that level of loving somebody, you can't take that away. I mean, it, love like, is there's an still, energy. It's there's still so many people there. in my life that aren't in my life that, you know, I still love those people. You know, yeah. they hurt me bad and we weren't good for each other. But, yeah, I still have love for you. And I feel like it's wrong and people get in, in cycles of hurt by telling themselves, like, you know, fuck that person. I don't love that person anymore. And then you're just inviting that negative energy yeah. in and you'll well, just start snowballing from there. You're still just like suppressing the truth. Like you're absolutely right. Yeah. There are people that um, they can't be in my life just because like our trajectories are completely different now, like core values and everything. And there's people, you know, again, I love you, but we're not in each other's lives anymore. And I wish you nothing but the best of luck. And I, I don't know how many years ago I came from that point where I was like, if they're not my life, fuck them. Right. Yeah. But then I'm like, I, I've always loved unconditional love. Like what made me not want to unconditionally love people anymore. And I kind of had to go back to that part in my life and figure out, was it eight, nine, 10, 11, 12? Like when, when did I start stomping on my own love and not being able to give it out or like act like it's a scarcity where, you know, if you only do these things for me, then you're allowed to get my love. Like, I really do think that one of the things I came in to learn in this life is all of the different ways of love because I've always wanted that. I've always wanted that big explanation of love or that exploration of it. But man, I've, I've really just checked off some, okay, I don't want that one. Oh yeah. It doesn't need to feel like that. Oh, that's conditional. So that makes sense why it didn't last. That was always that was karmic that, that was supposed to be awfully toxic and, pulling you know like your skin from bone to get away from the relationship because I had over seven years I had plenty of time to get away from him and I would get away from him for like months and I had no idea what I would continuously go back to for but now that like I think about the energy in the situation I'm like oh that feels like karma you had to squash that karma and let those people go that makes so much sense but going back to again unconditional love You've said that that's like your main thing. It's, you know, it's what saved you. It's what you continuously want to operate Absolutely. on. And, and I'm the, the actually, same. The introduction for unconditional love, I didn't even know what condition unconditional love was until I met that girl and, and her mother and her mother would always talk to me about unconditional love. And it was just something that I didn't understand at the point. You know, I didn't, what do you mean condition, unconditional love? Like, yeah, like I can do whatever I want. And you're still going to love me. Like, that's just how I looked at it. But well, it's it's, it, it's a very vulnerable place to be absolutely. in. Absolutely. Well, it's a very powerful place to be in as well. Yeah. It's, um, I was vulnerable when I was younger about it because just like um, the relationship that I was in, I did believe that it was un- unconditional. At, obviously, it's not now. But at the time, I was like, he can do whatever he wants to me. I see the light in him. Everything's yeah. fine. Well, when you start seeing the conditions, then that's when it, I don't know. I think that is the, what I've seen a lot, like collectively in relationships, like there's a lot of people that have been together for like seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 20 plus years. And then it's not like they just wake up one day and realize that they're in a conditional relationship. They, they're like, you know, religion, society, I don't want to mess my kids up. Like nobody really wants to talk about the big D that's never really a thing in a relationship. Um, 
But I have noticed that there's a lot of people recognizing that the reason they're suffering is because they have now accessed unconditional love in their healing journey. And now they go back to their lives that they've built and realize that most of so it functions out of conditional. Yeah. Um, and I think to me, like that would be an easy out in a divorce when I'm like, I need unconditional love. That is my love language. I'm not getting that. I know we're not getting that. We don't have to be mean to each other. Why can't we just like both notice that this is kind of like ran its course and yeah. do you, so then you like go to your spouse and you're like, are you just okay with like conditional love? Like, are you okay with knowing I can't technically love you to the fullest capacity that's available out there? Cause I see that randomly. Like I know I'm just bringing it up on a whim on the episode, but with, well, no, um, I, yeah, I see people when they talk about their relationships, I'm like, how, I don't know. Like for me, it's like, how the fuck do you think that's acceptable the way you're getting yeah, treated in that relationship? How, but when, or I guess, when there's kids involved, I'm like, you're going to show your kids that this is what okay love is. It's okay for dad to do that to mom. Like that's not, yeah. Yeah. I mean. It's okay to scream and yell and do all that. I'll just, I don't know. And again, maybe it's from certain experiences that I've seen, you know, from growing up or, you know, you go over to your friend's your friends' houses and you're like, oh, this is what your life is. This is what your life is. These are what your traditions are. This is how your dad treats your mom. This is vice versa and vice versa. So it is super interesting just to observe. Like I've noticed you always say that you're like oblivious. I always thought that you were like observing every situation, but you did not attach to one thing. And I feel like that's, I guess oblivious may be the wrong word, but definitely it's, and even when I meet people at first, I'm very pulled back and very reserved. And it's not that I don't like you. I don't want to talk to you. So I need to yeah. observe your habits. He's like yeah. He's like checking to, you out. For I need to minute. find out <laughs> where, how I can fit in with your narrative, I guess. I don't know. I get that. I think to a point, there's also like a protective nature in it. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely very protective of who I allow into my life mm -hmm. for sure. But well, that's why I feel honored when you want us to come over and you want to cook for us. Absolutely. Like, it's my favorite food thing. Is, food is my love I language. I can invite I you now too. Cook. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. He's been telling me some of the recipes he wants to pull out. So I, yeah, mean, I mean, that's, that's, that's ready. food is my language of love, I guess. I don't know. I love cooking for people. I so like eventually people you want to be like a private chef, right? Uh, yeah. In, in the dream world, or I guess in my dream. In, I'm, mani in manifesting your okay, own reality. Yeah. In manifesting my own reality. It's, Yeah. I mean, because it's like I do like working in the restaurant and all that, but I know how happy. Have you trained to be a chef? Or no, it's just I just something I can throw down do. though. Yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't. I'm definitely there's probably techniques that are not probably taught or, or frowned upon, but I mean, mm -hmm. I make really good food and I've always you been have told to I make good food. Foot. Great plate presentation too. Yeah, I, I mean, that's I mean, embedded and that's, in that's you. the thing. Like I've made all these great meals, and you're like, close your eyes. I have one of those black restaurants where all the lights are out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just taste it. <laughs> or I've really wanted to like, like a concept restaurant that I've always talked about with my friends is. You know, like the hibachi restaurants or whatever, mm -hmm. where they cook, but it's just that one food. But like, what if you walked into a restaurant and there was different booths of different foods to cook and different chefs of that, and you can go sit down and just watch them prepare that meal, like from beginning, like making an experience. Mm. And I'm sure there's a market for it, but it's it can't be. You know, getting those off the ground, it it can't it be. It can't be terrifying. hoard out and and mainline and stream. You know what I mean? So yeah, it can't be a true. corporate. It's. So it's can't be hoard out. Yeah. I love it. So I mean that's that's why I like to just cook in my house because I can have people come over to my house. I can You're set in the your environment. I'm in my environment. I can set the mood with the music. I can, you know, have the conversation while I'm cooking with them. I can I have stories to relate. Oh, why are you cooking that? Oh, funny thing, I learned this recipe, you know, doing mm -hmm. this. But it's I think people want that when they go out to eat dinner, but they don't get that. 
Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you go out to be around the family and get that connection, but really it's you're coming into a restaurant with blaring music and here, here's this feature card. Order off of this. Please take this and then mm-hmm. get this and now get out of here. So much, so much, so much. Yeah. yeah I got to flip right. that table. So it's, I don't know. Food has always been my language of love. I like eating with people. I like feeding people. I, I like know. eating. Yeah. I like eating. So mm-hmm. you're in the right group of friends. Yeah. I mean, I think further on down the line, we want, my son's obsessed with animals. So, I mean, I really want to have a farm. Like, I'm upset I can't have chickens or bees in my backyard because, <laughs> and one oh, thing I really can't? got him on, I cannot, yeah. Wow. Well, it's funny because there was a chicken running around in our on our neighborhood and, and someone, I think someone has, is hiding chickens and has them. <laughs> but um, I got my son into gardening. There's someone that hides chickens in their garage yeah. in my neighborhood. Really? Yeah. Every once in a while, the garage is up and you see their coop. That's awesome. Because <laughs> like, I'm trying to get my son into gardening as well to find out like where his food comes from. Mm-hmm. So it's that was a really cool experience last year when we made our garden. And he got to see the seed. And then we planted the seed in the house and sprouted up. And then we put it in the ground. And then he's got these two huge cucumbers in his hand, you know, yeah. a month later. Oh. I bet that's great. We did that at school, and I really, really enjoyed that. And we had a garden at home, so I get that. But just, again, from the parental perspective of your kid, you know, planting his first seeds. Yeah, he loved so it. So cute. Monroe yeah, still that, tries to eat the dirt, but we're getting there. He would <laughs> always sneak the strawberries. But normally we'd go out and check the fruits, and he would run out there and grab the strawberries before we could <laughs> get a chance to see how they were growing. That's so cute. <laughs> and then I got him into... When you grow onions, the green onions that grow from the top, he would, I went ate one one day, so every day when he went out there, he had to go out and take a bite of one. <laughs> Isn't that cute, though, that he like he wants to be like you? Because that's, yeah. that's what I've always, I know that, you know, if Landon if could have had a boy, you know, I know that that's what he pictured. Like, I have my son, now I'm going to show my son, and da-da-da-da-da, which, I mean, he has Monroe, but I know, I do think it's different for, like, a man having a son and Absolutely. passing all of those masculine And with my son down. being so, um, him and his mom are, like, really close, so it's like, I wish I had that, I feel like, sometimes. I'm like, oh, he doesn't love me because he just wants to cuddle with you, he only wants to do this with you, but then in those moments when we're doing things, like I can see the light in his eyes, and, and she like, sees it too. You're, you're my idol. You're everything. Yeah, absolutely. Because Monroe he, picks he one hundred percent. Yeah, he definitely one hundred percent looks up to me more than I feel that he looks up to me. I guess is. Yeah. I feel like he doesn't look up to me as much as he does, or I don't know. My my wife says it all the time. You think his? You think your wife is the favorite? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But then she's like, no, he adores you one hundred percent, and I guess I don't see that coming from him. Yeah. But because I don't know if he's on guard, like oh. Trying to be cool in front of dad or... Trying to be cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always think that um, Landon is Monroe's favorite, but I I thought that even before she was born. I'm like, there's no way he can't be your favorite. He's so nice. Yeah. Like, I'm nice, but I'm not going to let you get away with shit. <laughs> Monroe. Um. Okay, so... Where can I take this now? I'm like, we've talked about so much... It's been a lot. It is, but I like I, it. Yeah. I feel like it's like a bunch of little. We had an outline little, and just. It's well, I think that's the way the it conversation goes. I went, think, went, went where it needed to go. I feel like. Yeah, and that's usually how it goes. Like I feel like yours are a bunch of like little short stories, and I like that. Instead yeah. of usually we do it like a, a linear timeline, like what happened here, what happened here, what happened here. But for you, I mean, you have such dramatic and traumatic changes that happen so fast that I kind of like the way. Yeah, I mean, it. I definitely could have gone on like a straight timeline, but honestly, I, like I don't. <laughs> I don't recall. I can't. I have a hard time going back and putting anything in chronological yeah. order. I don't think it's. 
from See, the drug mu- abuse or music from music is my time machine. Do you, do you feel like you have that? Oh, absolutely. With so I can too? I can tell you I can tell you more events that happened in my life based off of what artists released what album at what I'm certain the times. Same way. Yeah. Yep. And I can even see it with some of my favorite artists, like their later albums, I just don't connect with because I wasn't Yeah, I wasn't into in, it. In the the throes of whatever the emotions were at the time. That happened to me, I told you, that happened to me when I went to Incubus a couple months ago. Yeah. I was like, how do I know all these songs? Like, I knew that I was like a fan of Incubus, um, but I was like, I don't understand how I know all these songs. And then I started, like, it released a bunch of memories that I didn't know. One, that I was missing, and two, that I could go back to. So for a couple months after Incubus, I just started writing all of the memories that were coming back. And it was like trying to leave my karmic partner and... Um, like really like getting on a plane for the first time and him like, get off the plane, get off the plane, like weird shit like that, that I totally forgot it happened. And all of Incubus's albums around that time. And even like the make yourself album was very prevalent on my iPod. And I never would have known it had I not went back to the concert a couple months ago and like had that shock back into reality and I've always known that music's been not only like my muse like I'll always go back to her but I'm like oh my god you guys remember when this album dropped because I know exactly what I was going through when this happened 100 percent and it's funny too because I'll put songs on now and my wife's like hey you used to cook to that in Wales it's like yep so it's like just little memories that music creates is music is huge for me as well and that's what I'm trying to get my son into it and I'm the same with Monroe I'm like I don't want to like throw it on you so much that you hate it and you don't want anything to do with it. But I'm like, if you, if you ever need a guitar, if you need a microphone, if you need an instrument, do you need a tour bus? I'll get you whatever you need. (laughs) I will get you whatever you need. But speaking of music, um, at the end of every episode, I like to highlight an artist or a song that either touches my soul, fits the curriculum, or I'm like, hey, this is the one that I want to listen to today. Um, so Vitality Exposed Concert Photography is the lovely sponsor of this song I'm about to drop. It's from Unlike Saturn. I've played um, Unlike Pluto stuff. This is going to be his other project. So the song I picked today is called Dreamy Dimensions. So before I hit play and get into this, I want to thank you again so much for being vulnerable and telling us a lot of the things that you did. I know there's things we plan to talk about and we didn't. And I know there's things that we plan to talk about that we ended up planning to talk about. So wonderful. <laughs> um, Nick, thanks again. And if you yes, ever want to come so share more stories, we're here Absolutely, for you. Absolutely. Definitely. Have you guys over for dinner? Food. I'm up for it. Food is our love language. (laughs) Again, this is Unlike Saturn, Dreamy Dimensions. You can find this on YouTube and Spotify. Mm -hmm. 